Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Zachariah Meisenheimer. And I'm Felipe Vallejo. Yes, we have a new lamb to the slaughter on the show. <laughs> welcome, everybody. The new writer for AFTN. You might have seen his stuff on Last Word on Sports as well. You'll definitely have heard his voice if you've watched the Whitecaps press conferences. We've been delighted to add Felipe to the AFTN team, making his podcast debut as well in this episode, which is our CPL season preview special. But before we get into any of that, Felipe, there's going to be some folk that don't maybe know you or don't know much about you. Tell, tell people about yourself. Just introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, okay. Um, So uh, I am a writer, uh, a sports writer for uh, Last World on Sports, covering uh, the Canadian men's and women's national team, as well as the Vancouver Whitecaps. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this for a little while now, not too long, Um, but it's been a lot of fun and I'm enjoying every moment of it, of getting to meet some really cool people, having a a lot of really cool opportunities like this and yeah i just love talking and writing and watching soccer and seeing how canadian soccer is growing uh makes it um easier for me to uh, find new ways to fall in love with the game again yeah it's and like your stuff's been great if anyone hasn't seen Felipe's stuff definitely check it out we've just got an article that went up on wednesday afternoon talking about the CPL kits, which we're going to talk about in this episode of the show. So we're delighted to have Felipe on board. He's one of the the new voices that I spoke about a few weeks back that we're going to kind of have coming in and out of the show. So it certainly will not be the, the last time you hear about Felipe. Felipe's also going to do some stuff covering Vancouver FC for us this CPL season. And we thought we'd get Felipe on the show because we're going to talk Canadian Premier League in this episode. And we've got a lot to talk about. But we're going to look ahead to the 2023 CPL season that gets underway on Saturday. We're going to bring you some of the interviews. We're going to preview all the teams. But we'll start things off in this part by looking at the two BC teams because we've got a new British Columbia team in the league and we're very excited about that Vancouver FC we've been covering them since their launch 
last April, I think it, it was now, April or May anyway. And the Canadian Premier League season going into its fifth season and there's some changes this year and we'll look at those before we get into our team previews. So this year it's very exciting because in 2024 the CONCACAF Champions League is being revamped. So this year the 2023 CPL regular season winner and the 2023 CPL playoff champion will both earn berths in that newly expanded Champions League and that is such an exciting thing Felipe. Yeah, I mean because that's what you need to see in a new um in a new league. You want to have, have as many opportunities to face top opposition and in um this geographical region there's no better place than the CONCACAF Champions League. And we've seen a little bit of it with Forge um going there uh, last year, I believe. Yeah, and... Cruz Azul faced him in before they had a chance really to be settled for the season. But I mean, that was the first CPL team to play in that and what a momentous occasion that was for them and for the league. Yeah, and that's sort of what I think we want to see uh, in a domestic league like the CPL. We want to see teams like Cruz Azul and uh, Atlas and maybe even Tigres come to Canada and face some uh, Canadian Premier League teams because that kind of gives us a better idea of where this league stands uh, against other leagues in CONCACAF. And with such a, a new league, it's only five years old, it's nice to have early tests to kind of see where the bar is and where we as a league can improve. Yeah, and that's the thing, Zach. It kind of puts the league on the map. It raises awareness of it. And when you do that, and if the performances are good, it helps attract with players and recruitment and everything like that. To have one team in would have been fantastic, but to have two teams in, it aside from anything else, it makes the regular season so worthwhile as well, which is something we've talked about for years with MLS. You want that regular season to mean something. And now with this spot, even if the team doesn't go on and, and lift the trophy at the end of the year, they've got something for their achievements over the season. Yeah, I think it's it's a step in the right direction to see how this is getting handled in terms of uh, the added spot and the added uh, prize money for the winner of the, of the, the league. Uh, one of the things that has been great about the CPL is with a clean slate, they've been able to try some things. Um, and so... Uh, it's and they're semi malleable enough to be willing to make changes. So I think this is a good change to uh, continue to elevate the significance of coming first in, the, in league play. Um, so yeah, really encouraging. And like you guys said, it's the more you can play against other teams in the region, I think the better it is. Obviously, there's a taste of that with the three MLS sides in the Voyagers Cup, but this is a, a, a different. Uh, a different level and a different, uh, different, uh, different, different opportunities to play uh, teams from different countries and different styles, and yeah, really, really exciting. Obviously, you know the the Canadian MLS sides have enjoyed that uh, to to varying degrees, both sporting uh, wise and I think just cultural wise, having played these teams or uh, traveled to play for some of the away games or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's exciting. It's a great, great, great step for the great step for the league. Um, you know, we criticize them when they when they don't do things well. For example, you know, um, for whether it's playoff format or you know, the, with the Voyagers Cup, which I know not the, the CPL in and of itself, but um, yeah, it's good to see this step being taken. 
Yeah, I don't know how much I've enjoyed the last two weeks' Champions League action from a White Cat's point of view, but we won't get into that <laughs> in in this show. It was it was wonderful doing the post game radio show on Tuesday because I had to watch the whole game. I may have turned off when it had gone to two 0 otherwise. But let, let's not talk White Caps in, in this show. We'll save that for another time. But I mean, you mentioned the playoff format there, and that is one of the, the changes this year for the twenty twenty three season. The CPL, they're using something that, if anyone's watched curling and the way that that plays out, the page playoff system. So there's five teams going to make the playoffs this year. I'm not a huge fan of that when there's only eight teams in the league, but it is what it is. But it was better than better than four of seven or four of eight. Just the format it adds something. Yeah. More well, yeah, I mean, the format's interesting. So, for anyone that is unaware, the team who finishes first in the regular season table will play the team who finishes second. The winner of that game hosts the final. The fourth and the fifth place teams play in a play-in round. The winner of that game will play the third place team in a quarter-final. The quarter-final winner will then play the loser of the game between the first and the second place teams for the other spot in the final, which might sound a little bit convoluted, Philippe, yeah. but it does it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see uh, a bit of a second chance for one of the top teams because, yeah. you know, you work so hard to get into those top two positions and to face the other strongest team and then get knocked out early would be a bit unfair. Um, but to see them have a second chance and to be able to maybe win that semi-final and then go back into the final and get that revenge, uh, I think can create some cool storylines uh, between teams. And especially there are, you know, every season there's a rivalries building up because of league positions and stuff like that. So I think it could definitely add some drama. But yeah, the I, there's definitely mixed reception in between um a lot of fans with uh the new playoff format so i'm excited to see how it actually plays mm. out in this season i mean much like mls with nine of 14 in the west if you're one of those teams that misses out you're like oh <laughs> you have to have been pretty bad to, to miss out in one of those spots now with five out of eight teams going in in this if you're one of the three teams that miss out you know you've had a bad season but i do like that fact zach that you can be the second place or the first place team. And if you lose your first game, it's not over. Now, as someone that's commentated and covered U sports for a number of years, it's one thing I've hated about the U sports system. The the eight teams go to the championship game, they play their quarterfinals, the four winners move to the semis, and then the four losers just battle out for places five to eight. So one bad game or a bad call in a game costs them their, their chance to, to lift a trophy that they fought so hard for over the season. This year, I was commentating on the CCAA Nationals, and I loved the system that they had, where you had your four quarterfinals, but then if you were a losing quarterfinalist, you got another chance to, to play a game, and you could win that game to get to a semi against one of the losing semi-finalists and then you still had a chance to get to a medal game and the team that actually won the bronze medal had lost their first game which under a normal system would have meant that would have been their hopes of of winning a medal over so i do like the fact that 
if you've worked hard and you've been first or second and you lose that game, you've still got a chance. So, I mean, are you excited for this sack? Yeah, very much so. This You talk about university. This reminds me of uh, when I played college and the league was small too. It was like, it was, yeah, eight teams or less. And you always had like a double elimination kind of playoff format at the end of the season or even within some of the tournaments or whatever. Uh, so in one sense for me, it feels like a little bit like uh smaller league, but I, I actually, I, I like it. And I think it, um, it's definitely better than I think, I, I think all, all the previous years probably uh, in, in total. Um, although the first year there was no playoff format, right? Or was um, like, it was like, no, there was, it was the spring and fall season. Spring and fall, right? Yeah. So, so they, kinda... they, they they didn't want to have a yeah they didn't want to, they wanted to be more traditional not have a playoff so they did the yeah. aperture clausura winners playing each other right you're asking me to think back to 2019 I have enough trouble thinking back to last week never mind back then but hey. yeah I mean you're never going to please everyone with the playoff formats that's the thing so I mean it's always going to have mixed reaction the the last kind of bit of stuff to talk about changes wise is player compensation budget has increased this year by 175,000 from last year and teams have to spend now between 750,000 and just over a, a million basically on their rosters some minimum of 30,000 per player which isn't a lot but that's like almost double with some yeah players. I mean yeah so I mean it will help attract it might hopefully stop some of these players that's retired early because there's no way to make money I've, I've spoke to some local guys that's got a lot of talent and they're like, why would I want to go and play to make that money when I'm making double that in my job? So yeah. why, would I, why would I want to give up a career just to go and play soccer? I can go and play soccer for fun in the VMSL at the weekend. And there was one very good local player that certainly, I mean, he, had, he dabbled with the pro game and he certainly could have gone on and had a pro career. But he's branched off, got his own business ventures stuff now. And it's just not worth him looking at that. So, I mean, hopefully it's still not a lot. And it's not going to let you live in a big city like Toronto or Vancouver. But, I mean, that's good. And a team that makes use of the full under-21 salary rule can technically reach a compensation maximum of $1.125 million, so a little bit more. So, I mean, that's all good. And hopefully, Felipe, it, it maybe keeps some of this young talent from packing the game in early because we've seen too much of that in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think the, uh, the initiative... Uh, put forward it definitely helps with that because you know the CPL is seen to be not necessarily a developmental league for other teams but just a developmental league for Canadian talent that's sort of why it was put in the first place and so to do that you have to make sure that you provide incentive beyond just you know it's wonderful to be able to be a pro soccer player and to play in front of fans and and kind of live with that life but that you know you need to get paid you need to be uh you need to uh see yourself with financially a, a long-term plan and so yeah this definitely i think helps keep those young players to stay in here and then continue to grow and hopefully um go out and and become stars in themselves and uh maybe go to europe or go to to mexico or somewhere mm. else and and really put their stamp on on Canadian talent. So, yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, you can't expect too, too much from, a, again, a, a league that's only five years old. Um, and hopefully, you know, 
in the future we can see even more and even more so not only it's just young players you know having that incentive to stay but maybe even attracting some other players maybe some national team players even not necessarily ones that are close to retirement but maybe some ones that are still someone in their prime it, that's the thing Zach. The, the eyes of the world on canadian soccer just now and you're seeing uh like in scotland a number of players have gone to play over in in scotland this year so in some ways it's like you're kind of betting on yourself that let's give it a year or two see if we get noticed see if we get that big deal but then you've got other people, like there's a player that I know that's got a good job with the city of Vancouver. And his dad said, because he still would love to be a, a pro footballer. And his dad basically said to him, if you give that job up, I'm going to kick you out of the house. So that's <laughs> kind of balancing all that kind of stuff as well. You want to, everyone's like, I want to know who that is. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you after. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying me, I'm saying the listener. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is, uh, I think... The league continues, I think, to to progress and to move forward. And it's, I think, this salary increase, even though it's uh, or salary budget or whatever increase, and uh, minimum standards of, even though they're they seem small, there are steps in the right direction. I'm sure there's a few more than more than one or two people who are you know yelling at their phone or whatever about the money that CSB is making off you know th that setup and all that. But again, you can. You can't talk about that without talking about how much they're actually losing on the whole, and yeah. uh, and they and they are, uh, as 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 I understand it and as I believe it to be true, uh, the money that the, the owners are making through the CSB deal with the CSA does not outweigh the money that they're losing on operating their clubs. Oh yeah. So so, um, but yeah. So yeah if I, if I anyone think thinks they're getting rich from yeah. the Canadian Premier League, yeah, it's not happening right now. Yeah. Maybe in five, ten years it might, but it's certainly not yeah. right now. But it's, it's great to see this all growing and all progressing, and obviously uh, in the Lower Mainland, it's great to 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 finally have a club that's a part of this league and um, a part of the the overall landscape in the, in the Lower Mainland, and yeah, it's really, it's incredibly exciting times. So the season gets underway this weekend. We're all looking forward to it. Before we start to look at the teams and do our preview, let's just have a, a moment of solace and reflection for FC Edmonton. Dearly departed. They, they've gone to a better place, Zach. I don't know where that place is, but it's not Clark Stadium anyway, so that's a bonus for them. <laughs> but I don't know if you it, saw, it, it, very excitingly, Clark Stadium has a new tenant. Who's that? Lacrosse? BTB Soccer Academy, who I am very high on. I love BTB. They are doing fantastic stuff out in Edmonton. They're going to be one of the new Alberta League One sides. Oh. And they're playing their exhibition games for this season before hopefully the proper season starts. So they've they've taken Clark as their home. And do not be surprised if they draw more than FC Edmonton. Oh, yeah. That's, maybe that wouldn't be be, that's not hard. <laughs> You said the bar, you said the bar really low there, Michael. <laughs> yes, true. But as one team moves on, a new team comes in. And it's our local guys. Well, it's, it's Zach's local guys. I, I'm st I still, like, I, I can't move on. I'm sorry, Zach. I can't move on from Stu the Starfish. <laughs> uh, he's my boy, my homie. And not the homie. But <laughs> he's he's got a special place in my heart. I I bought actually I don't know if I told you this before I went to Scotland last year I bought a Pacific FC hat 
with a lighthouse on it that doesn't really fit my head. Um, but I got you. Remember they did that TIFO, the Welcome to the Pacific with the big octopus and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they brought out a limited edition T-shirt, so I bought that. Nice. So I, I, I'm still cheering on Pacific more more than Vancouver. I'm sorry. Really? That's that's interesting, Michael. You can't change your football team, Zach. <laughs> they they were my first. You always remember your first. Well, Michael, when when uh, when you have a new local football club, I think you can uh, make sense to support them. Well, that, that was something I was going to talk to you about. So we're talking about Vancouver FC now. I just I don't think I need to clarify that, but we're going to talk for the rest of this part about Vancouver FC and Pacific FC, the two BC boys in the league. I, I was thinking about this as I was putting the show together, and I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's just me, and it'll be interesting to get Felipe's thoughts on this as well. It's more of a kind of neutral, since he is a... I haven't told you this either, Zach... Felipe's a Forge FC fan. <laughs> oh, Felipe. It's, it's good, though. We've got yeah. balance now on the show as opposed to us criticizing Forge Wait. left, right, and center. Where, where are you from, Felipe? I'm from originally uh, Oakville, Ontario, so they were my local club. Oh, well, actually, that's my... I was wanting you to say I... I'm from Colombia, and we're like, yeah. see? <laughs> oh, true, true. Yes, I am from Colombia. But no, they... Uh, um i most of the time that i've been living in canada it was in oakville and i actually worked for forge uh for four years from 2019 when they started until oh. uh this past summer so so yeah, you're, they, you're, you're you're friends with my, my buddy james hutton i don't recall that name ba- Barton battalion james hutton, oh yeah in, no no but yeah. he works he works for the club he's like oh he's uh, in ticketing actually yes. yeah he's in ticketing yeah, yeah. Uh no uh no I was mostly doing because I wasn't bald, stadium he's bald operations. Has a beard. Like, oh like, okay. Ba- yeah. Basically, anyone in Canadian soccer is bald and has a beard. You will mm. soon lose your hair. With Bobby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so no, that's okay. Get, if you, did if you, you get championship you... rings? Huh? Did you get any championship rings? No, no, no. I will. If you were at LAFC, <laughs> you'd have got your championship ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's okay. I, 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 was born, club. I, was, I was born in Sudbury and I grew up in North York and Thornhill. So um, I tried to get my family to go, to, well, I tried to get my sister to go to watch York United, but that's been fairly unsuccessful. Yeah, here's Zach's secret, Felipe. He's a TFC fan. He has jerseys <laughs> and everything. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not a TFC fan. You I do, I do have some TFC stuff, though. I know. I've seen your sure. closet. Sir Jankanovic. That's that's the best thing I own from them. I try and forget him. <laughs> was he playing for them without us knowing in that game? He was playing. <laughs> yeah, bro. the six one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, oh, yeah, Oakville. Oakville is uh, yeah. The Oakville. Yeah, o- Oakville actually do some really good stuff. They Sorry, I, I, stuff. I've taken us completely off tangent. Let's get back to Vancouver FC. So yeah, I'll. I'll say this to Zach, but then I want to get Felipe's thoughts on this, because I was thinking about this as I was putting the show together. And I don't know if it's just me, or if it's because I do have this little affinity with with Pacific, but I, I don't know what it is about Vancouver FC, but they haven't really grabbed me. They haven't grabbed my imagination. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that they didn't bring in local players that I knew and was hoping would maybe get deals or bring back guys to BC. I, 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 I know they're trying to appeal to the whole lower mainland, 
And maybe it'll come. Maybe once the season starts, I'm going to think, yeah, I think this is my team now. But I don't know. They haven't grabbed me. They have clearly grabbed you, Zach. So talk us how you feel about the club and how you are looking forward to heading into this inaugural match over in Langford on Saturday. Uh, well, I mean, I, I've been, yeah, I don't know, been in the process with them for a long time about the supporter elements and culture and, and stuff, right? It's been since, it's been since like 2017. So it's been a long, like a long, long journey. Uh, for me, obviously, uh, it's about having uh, a local football club that I can believe in and, you know, run by people I can trust. You know, that's the bottom line. Uh, Cause I don't think that exists at, you know, the highest level in the, in the area and <laughs> been, you know, for me personally. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, I've been in conversations with, with them from like, yeah, May, 2017. And um, for me, it's not like, it's not, it's not a, I, I love them simply because I live here or whatever. It's sim, it's similar to 2003, Michael, for me, actually. When I, when I went to Europe and I came home and I was just like, I want football culture in Canada to be more meaningful and I can hope that it happens or I can get involved and try and play a role in making it happen. And so... With this, it's the same thing. There's a new football club in, uh, you know, the place I've lived actually the most of my life in, Lang in Langley, even though I don't live there now. But I've never lived anywhere longer than I lived in Langley. And um, uh, and so, yeah, I could, you know, sit back and just hope that things go well and they, you know, things come together or I could play a role. And so I've chosen to, to, to try and play a role and use some of my experience and trying to bring people together. Uh, bring community together it's been really really interesting over these last whatever six almost six years where um yeah just building relationship with you know people from ac across the supporter spectrum of the lower mainland um people who obviously uh, some i've worked with a lot in the past and some people who i've worked less with but it's been really great to kind of just um have a new thing to rally around and to and to connect over and um yeah, no, I, so I'm, I'm excited, and the closer it comes, the more and more I get excited about, about you know, various element, elements of, of, of what's going to happen and stuff. Because, yeah, for me, the, for me, just it, it, the bottom line is, what is the support like in the stadium during the 90 minutes? Like, that's, like, the, the priority. And so uh, trying to make that meaningful and quality is what I've been working with people to, to, to achieve. And so first crack at it is this Saturday away. There'll be a, 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 a band of, of people coming together to try and, so, you know, lift our, our players to victory in, the, in their first ever match. So, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I was thinking about this. I was talking to my wife about it. I feel I've been very critical of them. I've criticised the stadium. I didn't like it. Criticised the kits. We'll do that again in the last part. I didn't like them. The squad build. I didn't like it. <laughs> um... So apart, apart from that, well, the, the name, I was one of the ones that actually liked the name, and I know a lot of folk haven't. Now, we were going to speak to Rob Friend um, on the show, but what I've thought is we'll wait until before the home opener. He's got a couple of games under his belt, and then we'll just talk to get everything G'd up and, and speak to Rob and speak to Afshin just ahead of that game. So we'll certainly do that. Felipe, as kind of the, the new boy in town, do you feel 
that the team has kind of captured your imagination? Are you excited for what this team's going to be and for this season? You know, I mean, I think it's hard to not be somewhat excited just because it is a new team. It's a completely new team with a new identity, with new players, you know, some players that we've seen before, but still the team itself is is novel. And I think that even if you are not a fan necessarily of them, you're tuning into that game being like, okay, how, what are they going to bring? So I think in that regard, I am quite excited. From the team itself, I mean, I've been to two of their games mm. now, two of their preseason games. I was at the Rovers one uh, a couple of weeks back, and then I was at the Altitude one, which was uh, last Sunday. And, you were at the um, Valor one as well. I was. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, I was at the Valor one as well. So I've been actually at three. Look at that. Um and, you know, the Valor one, I think it's, you know, that was the first real test. So I don't mm. think I can do, judge too much. But I think against Altitude and Rovers, I've, I I don't know if this is exactly what Afshin wants to do, but it feels like they're more of a patient kind of play. The way that they kind of build up is very patient, pass it around. They like dominate possession. It's not super fast, electric, or super attacking. It's very measured, which, I mean... I guess with someone of the affinity of Afshin, you know, he's been around the world. Clearly he wants to have a very balanced team and doesn't want to maybe blitz too early with a team that doesn't have too much chemistry. But I think so far I like some of the things that they are doing. I like how they're getting a bit fluid, um, switching from a back three to a back four. Mm. It means that they're not going to be one dimensional. It's going to, allow them to switch their plan depending on which opponent they're facing or what situation. So I like that um, some players are adapting to different roles. Um, that seems exciting, but in itself, I mean, they drew 1-1 against Altitude, and Altitude in the second half looked the better team. Yeah. and I, I've watched the know, penalty back that Vancouver FC got, and I think think it was probably the right call but they have relied on a couple of penalties they had to get a penalty against FC Tigers to beat them 1-0 so I mean they're not giving up a lot of goals they gave up two to Valor they gave up two to uh, Timbers two in a friendly down in Portland defensively they look very good they look very solid that back three of Pelly, Pelly Martinez Rocco Romeo and as Bakari, yeah, that solid. It, it's so exciting. The three of them, they are big boys. You do not want to be a small forward going up against them because <laughs> they'll just like ragdoll you out there. And we we saw it in the altitude game. Obviously, way different quality. But Atos De Sakera, the the guy that was playing up front for altitude. He just couldn't get near the ball because any ball that came up there with their height, they were just winning everything. And I think that's going to be their strength. With that back three and with Callum Irvin behind them, defensively, I think they're going to be tremendous. Hmm. They've got some attacking pieces, but it's whether... Like Sandoval. Uh, I'm I'm curious to get both your thoughts. And obviously, pre-season's very different. He didn't play on Saturday because it was horrendous conditions. I would not have risked him. In those conditions, I've got to say. But the little glimpses that I've seen from him, 
he he hasn't to me screamed oh this is the guy that's going to light this league up but obviously it's pre-season and he's still getting chemistry and he might be a guy that just rises to the big game player but it is it a case for this team that offensively if he goes the team's going to go yeah, I was going to say about the altitude game was you, it's hard to judge them offensively without him there because yeah. he is he is um, I don't know what internal expectations they have on him, but you know externally, yeah, I think it is essentially what you said, Michael. As he goes, so will go the offense. You know, think about like maybe Bustos in the past on especially when he was on Pacific or whatever. You know, yeah, um, which well, is he, both... even like Diaz last year with Pacific because as, yeah. as soon as soon as he did go, so did yeah. Pacific's chances. Exactly. So. I think there is an element of that. Um, I think that, uh, yeah. So, and I agree with you that his preseason has been okay. It hasn't been like amazing. has been has hasn't been horrible. But um, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts and how he deals with the amount of uh, pressure and marking that he'll receive. I think in this oh, league. Yeah. Yeah, he is be... going to get a lot of attention. Like, if you're yeah. a, a opposition manager, you're saying, go out there early, get a little kick in him, let him totally. know that he's here. And But in terms of the other pieces, you're right. They do have some other interesting offensive pieces. It'll be interesting to see how they, uh, you know, what kind of impact they make in this league. I, I, you talk about them, you know, having the three at the back, which, yeah, they might play three at the back. They might play four at the back. Uh, like you said, depending on the opponent. Yeah, they I think seem it, to have experimented half each with in the games that I've seen. That they've gone three in the first half and then four in the second. So they've got some exciting options to do that. And Caden Chung obviously yes. is a very talented that, right back. That's what I was going to say. Is, is we talk about the offense for them? Like, yeah, Caden Chung, I think, is going to be significant in that. Whether it's creating chances or even taking chances on his own. Um, I think there is, you know, significant expectation on him and what he can do and maybe should do and maybe hopefully will do uh, this season uh, for uh, for the football club. Um, and then you have like, yeah, you have a bunch of guys where you're just like, okay, what 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 can they do? Whether it's uh, Shan Hundal or um, Gabe Gabe Batar. Um, yeah, see, bo- both of them. I've really liked what I've seen. And like, Felipe mm-hmm. F- would have seen them on Saturday. Batar's kind of playing... Like, when I first saw Batar, he was playing for Carrollton. I was commentating on the 2017 U Sports Nationals up at UBC, and he stood out as a player of quality. And then he got drafted, and then didn't hasn't quite hit the heights in CPL as an out-and-out striker, which is where I first saw him. But he's been playing as a 10. And... He, him and Hundle ha, are linking up really nicely. They've got that little chemistry and understanding. And Felipe on Saturday, Batar, just seemed to have a kind of free role almost out there, just to kind of... He might not get that in the CPL to the same extent, obviously, way higher quality com, opposition. But he, he seems to thrive just moving about and looking to try and get the pass to Hundle or Roby was the other guy who... I don't know if he's actually officially been announced as signed yet, but I, I believe he is a another signing, the, the 23rd and final one on, on the roster. But Batar and Hundle, I think from what we've seen, do link up well. Yeah. Um, I think Batar is is thriving a bit more in, in a deeper role, in a more, um, like you said, like a freer role, coming in from the wing, 
uh, tucking inside, trying to connect the play a bit more. He is one of the more creative players that I've seen so far on Vancouver FC. And I think that Afshin sees that. And I think he might get the best out of Gabby Vitar by by putting him back, either maybe as a winger or as a 10, kind of trying to be more of the creative outlets and um, provide service for for uh, Sean Hundal and any other of the forwards. And I think um, he might finally light up uh, this CPL as a lot of people were um, slating him to do uh, earlier in his career. But you, you look at the roster, Zach, and there's a lot of names in there that people won't know. Yeah. We, we don't know them. But there's been guys that have shown flash. I mean, there's, there's guys like Elliot Simmons that we do know. We know the quality he's he yeah. is. And I think he's a key piece for that middle of the park. Well, he's an interesting piece because when he came out, I thought, oh, okay, here's the left back. Mm. Right? Played a lot of left back in, at Cavs, right? Yeah. And now and he's, he's... He's playing as a six. Yeah, he's the... Cent- he's at like six, the, eight. Yeah. So it's, that, to me, has been one of the most interesting things... Uh, like from the early signings, I was just like, oh, okay, we have left back. And then it was like, no, he's not going to be left back at all. He's going to be like our holding midfielder. Um, and he, I think he's done really well there. Obviously, it's preseason and they have, they've only played limited, you know, CPL opposition. But uh, I've been really, really encouraged by him and by his contributions and being able to hold things together in the middle and hope that that will continue into the season. Um, but yeah, there, there are, there are, there are a few, like, yeah, kind of known people. There are definitely a few unknown people. Um, I, I, I'm excited. I, on the left side, with with the Simmons not playing there, I'm excited about both Crawford and Quack and what they can contribute yeah. either left back or left wing back. I liked I liked what I saw from Quack on Saturday against Altitude. He was involved in everything. It felt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on the right side, obviously you're going to have Caden Chung, but um, maybe further forward or or, or pushing out wide. Um, I forget his last name, but Nikki. I've been enjoying Nikki in preseason. Uh, yeah, Gima. Gima. Yeah, the the yeah, name I murdered every time I tried to pronounce it on on Saturday. He's he's been um, whether he's uh, I can't remember if he started the one game, but when he's come on in the games, he's brought up the, a great spark and pace and um, uh, some creativity. And obviously, you know, uh, back clients have had to be aware of, of him being able to, to you know play play off their shoulder and get get past them. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's, there's, and he's, I think he's also like, like, I think Bakari, like what, from like sixth division England or something like they're, they're from some interesting yeah. places. Well, um, yeah, they, they've done some interesting recruitment because they've also recruited like big Pele Martinez playing down in NCAA, but division two yeah. of NCAA, the same as SAF. And he's, a, but he's a Belize international too, right? Like yes, he, plays, he is. Well, and really again, I, I saw him at the, the open trials and right away he stood out, not just because of his size, but also because of his quality. Yeah. And I definitely am excited to see what this what this team can do and what, what they can be. And in and, and Afshin Gotby, they've right. got the most experienced coach in CPL. It's a huge addition. And with what he's done, he's been at World Cups, he's been in MLS, he's been around the world, he's won championships. Um, with J- In Japan, I think he won a championship there, and he's won in Iran, he's coached in China. That experience, and I, I spoke about this on, on previous podcasts, when, when I've been at training, and he's very hands-on, 
and he really gets involved in it. And I've spoken to some of the players and they they love the training. Some of them that's been with other teams in the CPL have said this is like some of the best training that we've had in our time in the league. I'm I think I can guess who at least one of the few players you're talking about. It, it is interesting though, because when you watch him, uh, I can't remember. I don't think it was after training. I think it was after one of the games. You watch him just like walking back to the locker room, and he's got his arm around one of the young players, and you're just talking to them about, hey, like it sounds. I mean, I didn't hear it, you know verbatim, but it looks like you know here's some things that went well in the game. Here's some things you can work on, but like very much uh, like a loving, caring. Like I think the players understand. The, re- the reciprocal nature of he longs to get the best out of them for obviously the results, yeah. but he also longs to help them grow and develop and become better footballers. And so I think I think that's going to be a significant thing for Vancouver FC this season is this whole, and this might sound, you know, wishy-washy and like whatever, you know, the, the stats people would be like, oh, shut up or whatever. But no, like I really think that the level of togetherness that the if they if this if this group of players can come around this coach and can be in it together, I think they I think they can maybe make that top five, mm-hmm. even though their odds on favorite to to be in the bottom you know two or three or whatever. Yeah, like th- 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 there's no FC Edmonton in the league this year for me, and I don't mean that as in obviously they're not in the league, but it's like there's no team that you look at and yeah. you're like, yeah, they're they're dead certs that they're going to be bottom. There's some that you think their dead certs are going to be near the top, and yeah. we'll come to them. But yeah, I, I mean that from what we've seen from Vancouver FC, Philippe, they look like they can be a competitive team. It's how it all comes together and how it plays out over a, a super long season. And I mean we. We saw, for anyone that doesn't know, Altitude filmed the game, I did commentary for it. It was up on YouTube. There's some technical issues. It'll be back up on YouTube soon. But we sat and we took in the game as I was doing commentary and we were sitting right beside Afshin uh, on Saturday. And like hearing him talk through the game was fascinating, what he's wanting the team to do. So he, he wants them constantly to be pressing, high pressure, quick movement, do, do, do. And... It, it, can you keep that going for a full season is is going to be the big question because we know it's a long drooling season with a lot of travel and for a number of these guys they they haven't experienced that before but everything that we hear from him everything that we see from him it makes it an exciting proposition yeah and that's one of the reasons why i'm so interested in this team because of action mm-hmm. i think he is probably one of the most important signings and we've seen that nowadays Managers can be as important a signing as a star player. Mm-hmm. I mean, to throw a and they can also get MLS bums on seats because you saw how he mobbed he was by the Persian community in North Van on Saturday. Exactly, and it was hard to even just try to go and have a word with him. Yeah, and it, it. I think one of the things that makes him so fascinating is what he was before he managed. Because when he was with the South Korea, the South Korean team under uh, Gus Hiddink. He was an analyst, and that's what he, he did for half of his uh, sporting career was as an analyst. And so I think that grants him a special kind of perspective of the game where he doesn't see it, I guess, like as a necessarily all the time as a flowing game, but like as certain situations 
certain uh, scenarios that allows them to um, be able to understand what players need to do where and be able to communicate that better than somebody who maybe just, you know, that was a player and then became a coach. I think that kind of unique perspective allows him to be more intricate in the way that he wants his team to play. And I think that's why we're seeing more fluidity from the team going mm-hmm. from back three, going to a back four, because that's sort of the way that the modern game is being played. If you look at teams in, in Europe and some of the mega teams, they don't really have all that many set formations. And even if they start in a set formation, they are so fluid. They mm-hmm. change. They go from three at the back, four at the back, five at the back, two at the back. And I think Afshin kind of brings that that kind of European brain, even though he isn't really from yeah. Europe, he's from all over the world, but still kind of like that higher tactical understanding and bringing it to the CPL and bringing it to a team. Obviously he commands the team because of his status, but it's his, his wisdom with the game that I think will be one of the greatest assets for Vancouver. And the fact that he is so outspoken with the players and He's willing to put his arm around young players and he's willing to promote that unity will mean that the team can buy into his ideas. Well, I mean, you, you even saw on Saturday a friendly against the League One side when they scored that penalty. Big celebration, the whole bench joined in and everything. And it's like, that's that, that's that kind of like connection that you need. But it's interesting that you say that. Because one of my criticisms of Vanny is he's slow to react and change when, when change is needed in games. And I was worried about Afshin because obviously he's an older manager. And you think, oh, has he adopted modern philosophies or is he a little bit stuck in his ways? Which, if I was a manager, I would probably be old-fashioned and stuck in my... So to quote the, the famous Mike Bassett, who is a brilliant film and TV series from the UK... There's only one way to play football. Four, four, fucking two. But Afshin's not like that. He is very fluid. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all goes. The first game is on Saturday, obviously, against Pacific. Now, for folk listening, we're not going to delve into every team as much as we just have there with Vancouver FC, but obviously it's our special local team, so that's why we're doing that. Despite what I said about preferring Pacific, they are our local team, and I do wish them well, and I want them to succeed and I will be at pretty much all the games that I can if it not commentating on League One stuff. My big criticism and disappointment was there isn't more local players on the team. And a lot of it's out with their control. They just players like Davy Norman, Ben McKendry, guys that would have hoped to have seen come back. They command big salaries and it's hard well, to fit things in. I think we talked about this before, Michael, the show. It's it's to me it's a little bit reminiscent of TFC in 2007 in MLS, where they know the players and their agents know that they knew at the time that TFC had to have whatever it was like eight Canadians or whatever. Mm. And so they couldn't command more money. And I, my guess would be that that's a little bit what's happened with some of the local local players is they, they know the club would love to have more Callum Irvings, more local players. So they figure they, they can ask for more money or, or get more money or whatever. And yeah. I'm guessing at least one of the players, that's probably why they're not here or they're not here yet. Well, um, yeah. Well, I mean, look at David Norman. He's gone over to play in England. So he's going to yeah. be getting a hell of a lot more money than he was going to have got by coming to right. the CPL. But, I mean, that, that's a disappointment to me. We've got Caden Chung, 
got a couple of local lads as well that came out of the trials. Yep. And of Callum course, Irving. Yeah, the big, big local guy is Callum Irving. We've spoken a lot about Callum in the show. We've both known Callum for over 10 years now. Yeah. And it's great to see him back playing his football in Vancouver. It's great to to see what he's going to do on the pitch as well as off the pitch. So I got a chance to to chat with Callie after the, the altitude game on Saturday. Here's what he said about looking forward to the season and what he's expecting from Vancouver FC this year. So, Callum, pre-season's wrapped up now. Maybe you didn't finish with a win, but it's been a pretty good pre-season, especially defensively for you guys. Yeah, I think uh, coaches preached it from pretty much before the team even got together that he wanted to have a focus on the back four and the overall team defensive shape. And so, you know, if you're not conceding a lot of goals, you always have a chance to win. And uh, I think attacking is always something that's going to take a bit of time to kind of gel and figure out how you're going to score goals. But... Um, yeah, we've had good moments throughout preseason, some uh, defensive, some offensive, and uh, yeah, a lot that we can learn from and a lot that we can build on. That back three, it looks beasts. It's like <laughs> like Rocco and Bakari and Pele. It's mm-hmm. like that is going to be a handful for attackers in the CPL this year. Yeah, I mean, those guys are physical. Um, they battle. Um, and we got good athleticism out wide as well, and so... Yeah, I think, you know, when you're a goalkeeper, you want guys in front of you that you know are going to be able to, to do the job. And so, you know, that's something we work on daily in training and uh, we're hoping to, to start the season well. So looking into the start of the season, what are you expecting going back to Pacific? We kind of touched on this a little bit when you, when you first came here, but what are you expecting the re- reactions going to be? Is it going to be weird stepping out of the, the visitors' locker room? I don't think it'll be weird for me. I think that's just a part of football, you know. Um, I had a great time there, but ultimately, you know, my uh, my time ended and I'm fully focused here on Vancouver and super happy to be playing in my hometown. And so I'm looking forward to it. Again, so many friends and close uh, close people that I that I know there. Um, I'm accepting, or, or sorry, I'm expecting the, the reception to be hostile. We're a derby, you know, it's a, it's a rival team. We're coming over from Vancouver. I don't think the fans are going to be you know, shaking our hands and giving a smile. So I'm, I'm not expecting that either. Uh, but hopefully it's just a hard-fought 90 minutes and then afterwards I can say hello to a few people. How do you, how do you think the team's shaping up for this season? You, you touched on it already there at the start. It's like offensively you've got a few good pieces in there and Sean Handel's been doing well and Gabby Batar. You've got a good mix of experience from guys that's been in the league and guys that's kind of new to the league. So what, what have you made of the squad and what are you expecting from the squad this year? I'm expecting a lot. I'm expecting a baseline level of, you know, putting in the effort every single week. And I think that that sets you up for a chance to take three points any weekend in this league. You have to be mentally uh, mentally focused and ready when it comes to playing in the CPL. So I think if we can do that week in, week out, we'll give ourselves a really good chance of competing. Um, and then I think with these guys, the sky's the limit. There's, you know, we're pretty young. We're pretty inexperienced as a, as a total group. But I think with that comes a lot of potential to uh, to learn, to grow. Um, and so I think, you know, week upon week, if guys can build on the experiences that they have, I think the sky's the limit for this team, and I'm excited to see what we can achieve. Just last thing, what, what have you made of the reception from the, the Langley area and just to the team? And not even just that, you've come out to games in Richmond you've here in North Vancouver today. So you've taken the team out. You're a BC guy. Do you fully believe this team can be BC's team? 
Yeah, I really, I really genuinely get the feeling from the the time that we spent throughout the Lower Mainland in preseason that people are really connecting with us as a club, and and we're trying to connect with them. I think it means a lot that, you know, like you said, we've come out to the North Shore, we've played in Richmond, we've played in Surrey, we play in Langley. You know, we're kind of touching base throughout the Lower Mainland, trying to plant some seeds and some roots in in places, and and show that we want to be a part of this soccer community, not just in one place but everywhere. Um, and so far, the reception's been great. There's been great crowds at every single preseason game that we've had, whether it's at Willoughby um, or wherever. There's tons of people coming out, tons of people supporting. People want to get to know the club, want to get to know the team, telling us they're excited for May 7th. So, um, yeah, I definitely feel like we're really uh, immersing ourselves within the, within the community. And um, I think the people of the community appreciate that and for me like you said as a BC kid it's fun I, I love coming out playing at Burdett here we played in um, Newton we've played at Minaru like these are all places I grew up playing yeah. my youth soccer so it's really fun for me to to come and play in these places where I have such good memories good luck next week hope everything goes well on Saturday and going forward and I'll let you go get a hot shower yeah, now yeah great. that's great cheers good man So Callum Irvin there, just talking all things Vancouver FC. Can't wait to see him in action against his former club at the weekend. And he knows he's going to get an interesting reception. And, I mean, we won't dwell on this again, but we'll just say again, what Callum can be to this club off the pitch and promoting it is just as big as to what he can be on the pitch because he's a great asset. It was a great first signing. And, yeah. Just so glad to see him back here. Always wish he'd signed with the Whitecaps, but he's in a better place now, Zach, isn't he? That he is. That he <laughs> is, my friend. Definitely. No, he, he, you're right. He, well, I, I agree with you off the pitch stuff, but he also, uh, like, where things are right now, where the rosters are right now, he's going to need to be huge on the pitch. I mean, yeah. the, the back line, the back line is, is uh, inc- there's encouraging signs there. But, like, with any team... Imagine if one or two of those center backs gets injured. Gets injured. Well, yeah, right? you're they're in a they're in a bad place, and and even if they are all fully fit, Callum's still going to need to be, um, need to play a massive role. And it'll be interesting to see at the end of the year. Maybe we will keep track of this, whatever, Michael. But like we talk often about how there are moments where you can say, yeah, a keeper, you know, earned his club that point or those points or whatever. And it'll be interesting to see to reflect on this year yeah. how many times you think or how many points you think. You know, Callum Irving, in and of himself, either earned, maybe earned, or maybe also lost. You know, from time to time. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited that he's here. He's a, a tremendous gentleman, and um, yeah, like you said, we've known him for so long. It's just, it's nice to have. Uh, you know, both him and Caden. Obviously, I know, I know him better than than Caden, but mm-hmm. it, it's just nice to have them be a part of this. And um, with Callum, you, you just have this sense that he. He's so excited to, to to be a part of laying the foundation for this this new club, which is what you want. Yeah. So the first game of the season, the first ever game for Vancouver FC, takes place at Starlight Stadium on Saturday afternoon, four o'clock kickoff. The BC Derby, the first ever BC Derby in the CPL, Pacific FC hosting Vancouver FC. I want to give a big shout out for Vancouver FC as well. They've put on a bus 
for season ticket holders. That's free for the season ticket holders. They just have to get their ticket for the game and it's going to be leaving from Langley. It's sold out very quickly. Yeah. Leaving from Langley, going to the ferry, then going to, to the game and then back again. So well done to the club for putting that on and recognising that they need to get their fans there. It's a special occasion. It's going to be a, an amazing atmosphere. I still don't know if I'm going to be over for it or not, but Zach certainly will. So we'll get the feedback yeah. from him on the you, next show as to what it was like. The, I don't know if you read the announcement, the email, Michael, but it sounded also like this was not just for this and then the other uh, already known Pacific away match, but it sounds like they've partnered with which is partly why I think this took so long is it sounds like they've partnered with this shuttle company. Oh, which, no, I didn't. Did yeah, I think it, it says it's think it says there's somewhere about them being their their bus partner, their shuttle partner, but it might be for more than just away games. I think it might have some home oh. game element to it as well. But don't but, don't don't call I, me on I, that because I, I, I want to go to Halifax by bus. Is this what no, you tell no, me? Can we do this? No, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, Halifax by bus. No home games, Michael. Home. Games. I know shuttle buses and stuff, and hopefully yeah. park and ride and stuff like that. So let's quickly turn our attention to to Pacific FC, my boys. Stew the starfish. Love the guy. That is still my dream to be a mascot for the day. It would probably be my one and only day doing it. I do think my actions to the, the fans would oh, yeah. would probably get me banned. Um, I should share more videos of mascots doing bad things. I love it. But Pacific FC won, of course, the CPL in 2021. Last year, 13 wins, 7 draws, 8 defeats. They finished fourth in the regular season table as they defended their title, losing 3-1 on aggregate to Ottawa in the two-legged semi-final. Their excursions in the the CONCACAF league possibly played played a little bit of a part in that, but maybe not as much as Alejandro Diaz going to Norway, as I mentioned. As he went, so did their hopes, it seemed, because he was never replaced. You're losing a 13-goal guy, it left a big hole that they, they couldn't fill last season. I think they have filled it for this season. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, is it just too simplistic to say that that's what undid their chances? Because they were still in the mix, but then they lost some home games that you would think, how was, did they lose that? Wasn't the big Dutchman Daniels sort of supposed to be the replacement? Because he came in mid-year, just before Diaz left, wasn't it? Or was it just, I can't remember, just after. And he had, he he, he contributed a little bit, but obviously not as much as Diaz did. Mm. And then he, obviously he wasn't like you, banging the goals in the way that Diaz was. No, but he did score a little bit and did contribute a little bit. But you're right; they they've definitely course corrected that in the in the off season and brought in, you know, uh, uh, like can we use the term prolific, <laughs> like a prolific CPL score? Is that? I think we can. And it's Easton Ungaro that we're talking about. He was worth Whitecaps two for the tail end of the MLS Next Pro season last year. I, I we had him on the show. You can go back and check out that interview. And he spoke that he'd come to Vancouver because he wanted that MLS deal. It didn't come for him in this off-season. Whitecats wanted him to at least start the year in MLS Next Pro. We talked about this in the last show. He felt, nope, I think I've shown what I can do. If I don't get the deal, I'm going to move on. He's gone to Pacific. He's going to be the regular starter there. And he's been doing very well for Pacific in, in their pre-season games. And it's it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. Because he was scoring goals for the Whitecaps in MLS Next Pro, 
which is arguably, you could say, above CPL. But for a guy that scored all those goals on what were very poor FC Edmonton sides, it kind of it gets you excited and kind of whets your appetite for what he can do with a better supporting cast around him. And I think we'll see what the real Easton Ungaro is. Because I, I, I was, I've been critical of Easton in the past that he maybe didn't get as many goals as I think he could have got. But now with maybe having better sort of players around him and better chances created for him, I think we might see him now move to an even bigger level. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very, very true that he is... Uh... He, I, I, well, I would disagree with you that, that MLS Next Pro is at the same same level, especially because it is like a it's a reserve league, and so to me, a reserve league is never going to be the same, even just on the you know the, the match day and the atmosphere and what's going on around. Well, it, yeah, kind of it's, I think it's also a lot pressure. of younger younger players in MLS Next Pro as well than you get in CPL. I know it's a young league in CPL, but it's even younger in MLS Next Pro. Yeah, so I, I think yeah. I, I agree with you, though. I, I, well, I, one, I hope that he does perform, and he does perform well, and he does um, get to kick on uh, again. It, it, he sort of had the, the, the Tosin Ricketts experience in Eastern Europe, right, where you don't really get paid. Is that yeah. probably what part of what think, his think issue was? I think it was, yeah. Um, so hopefully he gets to go somewhere where he can, in Europe, he put a year or two in the Pacific, uh, continue to do really well, and then go over to Europe and have a more positive experience. I think that would be... Um, hopefully best for him, for his development. Uh, maybe he's not at the Canadian men's national team level, but maybe he could get to a place where he is like, a, you know, a further, you know, a down the down the, the depth chart kind of option, you know, uh, for some of the games or gold cups where you, you know, you know, you don't want to put everything on David or, or Laren or whatever. Maybe he can be like a, Fourth, fifth, sixth choice for Canada, but someone who gets games and gets playing time if he gets to, you know, uh, a more consistent level. But um, the one thing I think about, about him, though, is he is one of those um, big men. You know, he's he's huge, but he's he's good with his feet. Like, he's got yeah. – he's much better with his feet than you might, ex- might expect. Um, Arguably better with his feet than he is in the air. Yeah, even that, yeah. And I mean, I'm pretty sure the Whitecaps will be also keeping keeping an eye on him as well. So I mean, he he's the interesting one. If you look at some of the players that's moved out, Felipe, some some big names. Obviously, Callum Irvin. We've talked about him. Jordan Haynes has gone to Valor. Jamar Dixon's retired. Marco Bustos, a big loss. Gianni De Santos, Jordan oh, Brown. So I mean, there's some big pieces moved on and some big holes to fill you look at who they've brought in and you won't get this joke but Zach will laugh the Slamo's son Pierre no he didn't laugh <laughs> so I muted myself oh, <laughs> oh see I, I'm, I'm not looking I mess- at the zoom I'm I, looking at a screen I, I messaged him right away about that because <laughs> our, our good friend Slamo's called Stephen Lamotte so yeah but his son is playing in Spain yes but yeah. not for Pacific no he's in a better or, or not, or not even for Pacifica no, but there's Paul Amadoumi that's come back from loan and was with Pamaduka last year at North Texas. And the interesting one that I think so many folk are wondering, Felipe, what 
What are we going to see from him? Kakuta Mani. Back in BC. Has his star waned or is this a chance to show I've still got it? I think both are true. Uh, I think his star definitely has waned. I think we saw the best. The last thing we saw him do well on was when he was with the Whitecaps. And after that, he's kind of his career has kind of gone downhill. And I think this is a unique opportunity for him to show that, you know, his experience will match still with his ability and that he can still, uh, you know, fly down the wing and, and threaten their op- opposition. Uh, to have a player of, of that quality with so many MLS appearances as he does the most out of any player in the CPL, um, I think you're going to want to show that that means something. And that you can, I don't know if I, people should expect him to necessarily like light up the league and be the player of the year at the end, though he might well be, but at least, you know, help Pacific get back on top as they did uh, two years ago and fill that hole that is now left from Diaz with goals uh, or even maybe um you know assists i think even more importantly replace marco bustos with all those assists that he that he did so um yeah i think he's going to be a very interesting signing overall and i'm excited to see uh, kutamane back in bc mm. uh, mike mike i think i think this is actually one thing you said there felipe i think and i might be proven dead wrong on this i think you actually need to do Something that Martin Rennie only did a couple times with Kakuta Mane, and you need to play him through the middle. You need to play him with up front with Ongaro or just behind Ongaro and give him not the freedom of a 10 to 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 create, but give him a little bit of freedom. I think he, I don't I, I don't think he quite has the pace. Obviously, he did, you know, eight years ago or whatever it was. Um, but I think he can do a lot of damage from that inside spot. Uh, both creatively, as you as you said, Felipe, but I think also just um, you know getting past defenders and uh, getting in and getting into one on one positions with the keeper, which he he can be lethal from in this league. And so, uh, I, yeah, I think if they put him on the wing, like he if they're bringing him to really place De Santos or whatever and play him out wide only, uh, I, I don't know if that's gonna I don't know if that's gonna be the best for him. Yeah, I. I, I would kind of agree with that. When you said do what they didn't do much here, I thought you were going to say set his alarm clock. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I muted again. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to tell that story? Did people, do we ever tell that story? I don't know if we did, but basically he he was dropped for a game because he slept yeah, in. Away to LA, LA, wasn't it away to LA? Or it, was, it was an away game. California. It was California. Yeah, but he just completely slept through his alarm clock and yeah. So he was dropped, so it was, it was good punishment. I mean, I, I wish Scooter all the best. We've always had a lot of time for him. He's always been a lot of fun to have on the show. We will catch up with him uh, at some point soon because he's he's slower now. I can think probably catch up with him, I think. But it's going to be an interesting one to see how he does in this league now. And I, I hope he lights it up for Pacific's benefit, for his benefit. It's an exciting Pacific team. We'll get an idea for both the BC sides in this game on Saturday. What's your predictions? Which some folk are going to be listening to this after this game, so we we might have stupid results. So I'll kick things off. 
I think Pacific's going to be too strong for Vancouver FC, and it's going to be three one to Pacific. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be very interested to see how the battle between Ongaro and the Bakare or uh, mm. or Apele, just the battle of the big men up front. Well, because at least that's a big, big, big v big. Exactly. We haven't really seen them tested with some big guys. It's going to be Clash of the Titans there. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with you. And Pacific has experience. Pacific has, uh, you know, it, it is a changing squad. And, for example, like, I, I don't really know, like, who's going to be in goal for that game. If it's going to be the young German guy, Gazdal. Who's I think like it will be. It looks, I think he's expected to be their starter by the looks of it. Yeah, by the way, they announced the signing today or the mm-hmm. official signing today. Yeah. yeah, it it looked like it was a starter, and you know he's nineteen. He's a young guy, probably has quite um quite a commanding voice. You kind of have to be as a goalkeeper, um. But just like that, it's like I don't really know uh, Pacific it, 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 what this new look side is going to be. But I still think they'll have a bit of an edge. So I'm going to go two one Pacific against Vancouver. Hmm. Now Zach, it's head uh, v heart time. Yeah, totally. So I'm giving you two, like I often do, Michael. <laughs> My heart says it's going to be like three one three two for for um, Pacific. For, no, for for VFC. <laughs> um, but I was actually my my head was saying, oh, it's going to be like two nil to uh, to Pacific. But I think actually I don't really really rate uh, Gazdoff and and maybe mm-hmm. um maybe whatever. So I think I think Vancouver is going to score at least one. So I was going to say 2-1, but yeah, you guys already took 2-1 and 3-1. So maybe I'll say it's going to be 3-2 for one team or the other. My head says Pacific. My heart says VFC. I mean, that'd be a great opening game for the season as well. Good for the folk watching as well and get some excitement going for both teams. Now, I know that was a long-ass part. Um, the rest of them won't be as long, but we've, we've got a lot more to chat about. And we'll be back with some more CPL chat after this. I am Tommy Wilden Jr. and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. No, no use in lecturing them or in threatening them. They will just say, who are you? Is that a question or not? And you see that the plot is predictable, not new. But just to stun that the things you will do. Taking their time or in wasting two times on a call to God knows who. When all you feel is the rain and it's hard to remain when no person looks at you. So just be gracious and wait in the queue. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show. And kicking off this part is our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April, American band Sparks. That's a song from 1994, 
from their 16th studio album, which I love the title of, Gratuitous Sax and Senseless Violins. And that was a song, When Do I Get to Sing My Way? It's a top 40 hit in the UK, twice. And it reached number nine in the US dance charts. And I'm sure there's a lot of managers around the CPL wanting to to do it their way and to get basically dislodge Forge and, and lift the title and and get their name written on the in the history books as winning the CPL in their historic fifth season. Now we delved a lot into the two BC teams in the first part. We're not going to go into the rest of the teams in as much sort of depth, but but we'll touch on some of the key additions, some of the the ones that's not. And we're going to do it going from west to east. And that means kicking off now with Cavalry FC. Now, Cavalry, a, a team that four years down in the CPL, it's kind of hard to believe that they haven't actually won any silverware. And I think Tommy Bielden Jr. would agree that it's hard to believe that they haven't won any silverware because they've had such strong regular seasons. Last year, they ended up finishing third in the regular season standings on goal difference behind Forge. And that was crucial because of the way that the, the two-legged semi-finals played out. They had 14 wins, the same as Forge. Five draws and nine defeats, the same as Forge. They scored 39 goals, the second highest scorers in the league. They gave up 33 though, and that's kind of where things kind of hit their goal difference really a little bit. And they, they stuttered at times over the course of the season. Controversial semi-finals, uh, as you expect, against Forge. And, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, and we'll just quickly t- touch on this. Are either of you surprised that Tommy's back for year five? Did you think there was going to be a change? Or is Tommy basically there for as long as Tommy wants to be there? Hi, Tommy. <laughs> He still listens, right, Michael? He might do. Uh, I I don't Love think. Tommy. So. <laughs> I I don't I don't think it, I I'm not surprised. Um, I I could see reasons for a change being made, but I'm not I'm not surprised for all that he's done for their club. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and this might you talk about no no trophies or whatever. But if if season one had been like this year, they would have had a trophy, right? Yes, exactly. I they would have been in Champions League. Exactly. And- um, Actually, a couple of times, probably. Yeah, they. I mean, they are. They have been one of the you know the second most consistent side. I think in the in the, in the four years of, of the league, um, at least in in without looking at like without you know looking at the stats, it, that's what it feels like, right? Like they've been kind of there the the whole time, uh, almost neck and neck with Forge um, up up until at least the fi- the finals. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see, you know, they've lost some players, um, they brought in some players, but, you know, when you look at their their roster, you look at their players, I think, Michael, like, obviously, Tommy and his coaching style and, his, you know, whatever, what he's got now, what he hasn't got out of them, whatever. When you look at the players, though, they have some of the most um, 
name name recognizable players and significant you know significant contributors oh yeah like quality like oh yeah M- marco carducci arguably the the best keeper in the league i know callum might have something to say about that and and everyone would everyone maybe henry as well but yeah everyone would talk about henry although he, yeah. Felipe, you must admit he has his dodgy moments yeah 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 uh he has a, a, a few moments where you're questioning what was running through his head yeah I, I think you could also put that with some of Tommy's tactics, though, as well. Not just the, it, it's like, I, I think this is a quality team. And you look at some of the guys, uh, as Zach said, Felipe, and like Meyer Bevan, quality player. Ali Moussi, we know what he can do. Joe Mason, we know that he can score. You've got Callum. Um, you've got a new Callum that's added to the team. I don't know why I said Callum. We've got Marco is what I meant. But we've got a Callum that's added to the team in Callum Montgomery who had spent time down in MLS circles without really making an impact but was highly rated, taken in the draft. Dan Klomp is one of my favourite defenders in the league. I just think he's fantastic. You look at the team, though. 12 players have moved on and they've only added seven at the time of me putting this together. They might have added a couple more since. And I do wonder whether they've made enough changes to replace the the key guys that they've lost. I mean, I, it would be a huge surprise if they didn't make the playoffs. Are, are they still a top top three team, though? That's, I guess, what we'll have to wait and see. They've certainly got the attacking chops. It's just, is the depth there to, to see them still do stuff, Felipe? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, you see teams like Atletico Ottawa starting to come in into uh, the upper echelon of the CPL Pacific, obviously are still there. And, you know, I've been watching this league since the beginning and working for forge. And as a forge fan, always the team that was like the rival uh, beyond York United. Well, yeah, that uh, should be the team you hate. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That I, as fans, we always, I think relished more of the games against cavalry than the games against York United because they were always more chippy. They were always more aggressive. I mean, I think that's what you get a bit out of uh, T- Tommy's teams. Tommy's yeah. teams are very physical. Yeah, and, and uh, I love it. That's why I love Tommy so much. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's an old he's an old fashioned manager, and his team plays old fashioned football four four two classic. And I four, think four uh, fucking you know... two. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> exactly. How many parts I can mention? And that I, in? Probably a few more. I'm going to just call um, this episode I... that. That will get us banned everywhere. Sorry, I'm interrupting <laughs> get, get used to this when no you're worries. on the podcast. I just go off in weird tangents. No worries. Um, but yeah, I think it, now we're starting to see a little bit of a decline in with Cavalry. And what's kind of boggling for me is that a lot of the star players are still there. Uh, mm-hmm. from from a few years ago and Tommy is still there so it kind of feels like you, you mentioned it's like are you surprised he's here still here yes and no no obviously because of who he is and what he's done yeah. but at the same time it does feel like Cavalry's starting to stagnate a bit as a club and the way that they are playing and I think even with such a young league it's starting to evolve a bit more and you're starting to see teams like Atletico and Pacific kind of come into their own and Cavalry feels like they're still trying to play the same way they were tr- they were playing in 2019 mm-hmm. and 2020 and 
I think that might be holding them back a bit because you, you're right. You look at some of the players that they have and they're quality players. They're players that should be, you know, performing to the highest level in the CPL. But I think as a team, maybe it's the philosophy or the style of play. Sure, it's entertaining to see a team play so aggressively and, you know, with as much grit as they do. But at the end of the day, you want to see a team win. Yeah. And that's what I think Cavalry are lacking a bit is having that, I guess, fluidity I mentioned before with Afshin to change a bit so that they can win. Because if a team figures them out, then they really don't have that much of a plan B. And, you know, you look at the, the additions, you know, three out of the four main center backs that were in rotation have left, right? David Norman Jr., uh, Krefa Yao now is with the Whitecaps yeah. and uh, Mason Trafford. And they only brought in Callum Montgomery, who I think is going to be a really good center back for them. Yeah, I, um, I think in this league, he's really going to shine. Yeah. So I think, you know, they brought in a quality center back, but like you mentioned, depth, you know, it's a it's a long season. If you get one or two injuries, which they how had are a they lot going to off last year? Exactly. And that's so surely if... going to be in the back of their mind again. So if if they have a year like last year, how are they going to adapt? How are they going to change? Because I don't see, you know, Tommy as a, a manager who likes to fiddle with his with his tried and trusted tactics and with his tried and trusted formation and and stuff like that. So it will be. I, I'm I'm interested to see how they do, but I do feel like it's if if a change not going to happen now. It might have to happen soon, or else Calvary's going to slowly start to slink to the back of the pack. I mean, we've known Tommy since 2017, when it was the TSS, Foothills, and, and USL, and all the battles, and I've so much time for Tommy, I love talking football with him, but that is a very good point you've made. Has the league maybe advanced and moved on to different levels and maybe his style of management, his style of tactics haven't? Now, that's not to say he's not going to come out and surprise everyone this year by having worked on new stuff and and, and try something different. Because if the tried and tested thing hasn't worked in four years, you've got to try something different. You, you can't think, well, if I try this again, it's going to work. And of, of all the coaches in, in the, the league... I'd love nothing more than for Tommy to get some reward for what he's done and to get his team into the Champions League next year because I know what that would mean to him. And I know he's still bitter about how that first year played out, that they got nothing for being so dominant and then lose the final. But that that's the rules. That's Whether we think it's right or not, how things should have been decided, that's what it was. From Cavalry's point of view, they've got a strong fan base. I love Spruce Meadows. I hope I get another trip there at some point. I'd really enjoy my trip there back in 2019 for the, the Whitecaps game. Um, it's a it's a passionate fan base. But sooner or later, you've got to start getting the success to keep that fan base. And you saw it last year. Attendances did dwindle uh, a little bit, but they were like that across the league. I hope he's got some more additions coming because I'm very concerned about their depth right now. And I don't think they have replaced the quality that's left with the same quality as of right now. And I'm sure Tommy's got a few things up his sleeve. He certainly looks to have some roster spaces there anyway. 
and there's always a chance of getting loan deals in it or whatever as well. But yeah, but we'll see how that goes. Valor FC next, and in the next part, we're going to hear from head coach Phil DeSantis. I had a, a good chat with Phil this week just about all things Valor, and of course, looking ahead to that big. Canadian Championship game that they've got with TSS next week that I am so looking forward to. Valor, the last two years, they finished fifth. Two seasons ago, they missed the playoffs by an agonising one point. But last year, further adrift, they finished nine points behind Pacific in fifth. Ten wins, seven draws, 11 losses. They were scoring well, 36 goals. It put them up there as joint third with teams in the league, same amount as Atletico that, that won the, the regular season standings on 36. What let them down was really two things. 34 goals against, and in their season running, they, I think the last 10 or 11 games, they never scored more than one goal. And that's what kind of really undid them down the stretch. They lost four of the last five games of the season as well. And... They've made some some interesting d- decisions, but bef- before we get into like how the new season's looking, Phil DeSantis, it's his second full season in charge, and he- he's lost. He- he- Moses Dyer got nine goals last year, so he's lost him. He he's moved on from the team. The guy that led the team in assists, Sean Rea, he's moved on. Brett Levi's a key player for Valor. He's gone to the USL. So some key, key losses. I mean, we we spoke as well about Rocco Romeo of Vancouver FC, so he obviously moved on. Jonathan Sirwa has gone back to Montreal and is now getting MLS minutes with them. There's been a big turnover on the roster, but... Unlike Cavalry, where it feels they've lost some key players, but they maybe haven't quite replaced that quality, Valor's been very busy, and they, they've brought a lot of people in, Philippe. What are you, what are you, you making of their kind of off-season moves? I think that they have had probably one of the most interesting off-season because of the number of players that they've brought in, and also because of of where they're bringing them in from yes. a lot of internationals. And I mean, a lot of internationals, people from uh, Australia. I think Nyang I think his name is came from Australia. Um, um, Keon Williams came from Iceland. Uh, you got players coming in from Portugal, Belgium, Ireland. It's just a lot of internationals coming in. And I think that's always a gamble because you need to see how they adapt to the league, adapt to the country and, and stuff like that. So I think Valor are going to try to swing big this season uh, with the signings that they've made, especially since inconsistency is what cost them the most uh, last season and bringing in new players that can bring that energy, bring that excitement will hopefully mean that they can be a bit more consistent but on the other side, if you have players that don't really know how to play together, don't really understand the maybe the football culture here, then you could have a very tumultuous season, another very up and down season. And 
I think that would hurt them a lot because they've made a lot of progress. I mean, when they were at their best last season, you know, I, when I was working for Forge, they beat Forge every time they went there, mm. and they played them out of the park. But that was the thing with them last year, though. They beat every team at least once that finished in the top four, and it was the teams that finished below them that they seemed to struggle with. Like Edmonton took several points off them last year, and that cost them big time. So they showed they can compete with the big boys. But for whatever reason, they didn't maybe rise to the occasion against the lesser teams. And you see that often in football. Yeah, and especially when you... I guess it's it's one of those things where it comes down to maybe your tactics where when you face a team that knows that they're sort of the lesser team, they tend to sit back more, they tend to go into a low block, and they're harder to break down. And I think maybe Valor were relying on being the team that counterattacks more and, and attacks with pace rather than the team that's dictating the play. And so, you know, against Forge, Forge loves to hold on to possession and play at, at, through the wings and and at overload uh, a side and, and just attack. And so Valor, when I was watching the games, they were hold on to uh, their defense and then attack at pace and counterattack and score their goals and against i think edmonton and stuff like that they didn't have that creative spark to be able to you know unlock a uh a low block and maybe one of these players that they've brought in from in from all parts of the world can they're, have they're unknown quantities right now which exactly can work in their favor especially early in the season because other teams won't know them i mean they they've brought in players from eight different countries or like playing in leagues in eight different countries and I, I don't want to, to spoil too much from my chat with Phil that we'll hear in the next part but one of the questions I said to him is is it easier to bring in those guys than Canadians because Canadians don't want to come and live and play in Winnipeg and basically he said yeah that that does play into it yeah, they're they're one of the clubs in the league that's a significant disadvantage based on the geography or location location they're in, right? Like it's not a there's not a like I think virtually every other club has some kind of communal, geographical, cultural draw, whereas Winnipeg is less so. And I don't say that to be mean to you know. No, Winnipeg it's like we're not being disrespectful by that, no. but I mean it's it's just. But, it's but when you compare it, when you compare to the other seven options, yeah, it's the. I mean, and you know, it, this sometimes happens to the MLS clubs, the, the Canadian MLS clubs too, where they they're at significant disadvantage for different reasons, whether it's just a desire to be in America or the dollars or whatever. Like this happens at, at you know at, in other leagues as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I feel really bad for them, especially because, like you, Michael, I have a strong appreciation for. Uh, for for Phil DeSantos and yeah. and really really hope that he does well. I think what you guys are saying is right too. As I looked at as I looked at the, the players on their team, I was like, wait, who is this? Where are they from? What, mm. what, like, where did they get where? I think um, I think yeah, Sirwa not having Sirwa is going to be significant. But I think what I don't know if you kind of both said this or maybe it was just you, Michael. But the they have an opportunity with so many different players to come out quickly and maybe catch teams unaware and aware as to you know just who they are and what what kind of uh, uh what kind of players they have 
Uh, and so I, I could see them doing well at the beginning, but as teams kind of figure them out or as teams have more tape on them and all that kind of stuff, it being more challenging for them in the middle and the latter part of the season. Yeah. Well, we saw but, in 2021 uh, what a great start they got off. Exactly. Serwa was like on fire and not letting any goals in and then the wheels came off yeah. and it led to the coaching change and Rob Gale moved on. And although Phil came in and did a good job, it just the points were lost at the vital part of the season. The, the one thing is to us, uh, the, when I think about Winnipeg in the CPL or when I think of Valor in the CPL, have they been the team that's been the most effective with loan deals? Possibly. And again, I don't want to spoil what we talk about with Phil too much, but I did mention to the fact that he doesn't have any loan deals this yeah. year as of yet. And in part, it's just a new philosophy because he's thinking... He's thinking for two years. So he's given people two-year deals. And he doesn't want to keep having people come in and move on. But also, MLS teams now, because they've got MLS Next Pro, they're not as willing to kind of loan the, yeah. the players the way that they were. Yeah, that's Montreal actually... obviously don't have that MLS Next Pro team, but what I don't know what the hell is going on in Montreal at the moment just in general. That's actually like on a on a obviously for the Canadian teams especially, but on a, just on a bigger scale, that might be the bigger impact of mm-hmm. MLS Next Pro as opposed to just losing out on you know a player here, a player there. Is that yeah, an MLS team is less likely to loan you a player. But Axel did say when we asked him about that last year that each player is unique, and for some of them, they might benefit more by being in the CPL if they're going to be say a regular starter every week. Um, and we saw that they put they gave Cam. Habidula to Pacific and that didn't work out the way that they wanted because he wasn't a regular starter there so I mean that is going to play into it I think more and more down the line but I mean they've brought in experienced CPL guys, Haynes and Samaki from Pacific Marcello Polisi from Halifax where I think he might thrive better in Valor because he's going to be playing more in his natural number 6 position and then Anthony Novak from Cavalry that I thought, oh, that's a good pickup. And then I looked and I was like, oh, he hasn't scored as many goals as I thought he had. He hasn't scored many goals at all. But the player a lot of the Valor fans from reading the message boards are most excited about is an unknown. He's a Burundi international. I have seen him play in the A-League because of my love for st- staying up till two in the morning watching free YouTube streams but he played for Perth Glory, and that's Pacific Neon Gabiri. And he has apparently looked very good in pre-season, and he's one of those unknown quantities that folk just, these early games, no one's going to know who he is or what he can do. So I, th- I think it's it's interesting. And if, if Valor do as they do the last two years, they're going to be in the playoffs for the first time ever. And I think it would be good for them as a club to make the playoffs. But also, again, I'm kind of spoiling what what Phil's going to say in the next part. They want a home playoff game, no matter what. They want to reward the fans. And I think just in general, the fan bases in this league, at this stage, teams that haven't made the playoffs have to, to get into the playoffs. And I think there's not many of them now that haven't. I think it is just Valor and Vancouver FC Actually, now that I think about it, they haven't made the playoffs. Because it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard for Vancouver. Playoffs. Kind of hard for Vancouver FC to have made the playoffs. Oh, making your excuses already, Zach. 
No, it, it, they do have some great people there. Uh, Red River Rising. Um, my friend, my friend Nikki. Yeah, has been a part of part of things there. Yeah, and I do. They, 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 they do have one of the most unfortunate, also like setups for ownership. As much as uh, you know, community being community owned is is a is a great thing. I think when you're community owned by a, a community pigskin team, it, it has it's not, its other not, issues. Yeah, yeah, it's limiting. Yeah. So next up, Forge FC. So they're good. Let's move on. Uh, after that, no. <laughs> um, so Forge, obviously, champs, three CPL championships in four years. They're a dynasty. They're a storied club. They're fantastic. They were second in the regular season, but they won the final 2-0. That's all that matters at the end of the day. They were the joint highest wins with 14 last year, 47 points, the best goal difference, plus 22, the highest scorers with 47 goals, the best defence with just giving up 25, Rubens Passius led the way for them with 13 goals, but then you've got David Chanair, Tern Campbell, Tristan Borges, seven goals each. They started the year in the CCL with Cruz Azul. You had a slow start. And then you can imagine if they were just... The way that they played from the last three quarters of the year onwards, if they'd started like that, they would have been out of sight in the regular season as well. Six players moved on. Two that had been on loan with, with the Eddies. So I guess maybe you could say four players had moved on. Their biggest loss, arguably Daniel Crutzen who's didn't make it with the white cap sadly i was really hoping he would and amazingly just one new addition manj ricard james canadian international Felipe, they're your team tell us how they're going to win another title four out of five uh yeah i mean a lot of people might be surprised that they've only um done one addition but forge have never been really a team to go and and buy a bunch of players i think bobby very much has his squad set he likes his players he likes playing them in their roles and he only wants to bring in one or two and not upset the balance by having you know a big turnaround and I think that's one of the biggest things that has allowed uh, Forge to be so good. And, you know, bringing in a quality of player of Mandrakar James, like, it's the same thing as when they brought in David Edgar, except, you know, Mandrakar James is younger, so he's going to be around for a little bit more, but he's still a quality, quality center back. And I think Bobby also has the ability to say goodbye to players when he thinks that they're time is done so like chris nanko mm. was really good at the beginning for forge then he had a couple injuries and then he's kind of waned and he's like okay well then we move on um same with jonathan grant uh he was a, one of the best right backs at the beginning of the forge dynasty and now they've gone through a different route uh kwame awa also, he wanted a new challenge last season, and they let him go. And they still, yeah, keep... I still wish the Whitecaps had kept him on, but he he went to better yeah. things as well. So, yeah, and I think uh, when you have 
the ability to know when a player's journey has ended with you and when you can pick up another player that syncs up with that. That's something that only really great coaches do. Uh, you know, probably the most famous example is Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. In the same way, he knew when a player's usefulness was done and when a, he needed a player in a specific position. And I think with Forge, this style of play that they do, they know how to break down any team pretty much that's in front of them. They have the quality. And every year, a new player steps up. We saw Tristan Borges mm-hmm. and Kyle Becker really step up at the beginning. Tristan left for Leuven in Belgium. It didn't work out. He came back. And you would think that he would be the star player again. But no, it was players like Wubens Passius, David Chouanier, you know, even at the back, Ashinori Johnson, mm-hmm. who is a midfielder, playing as a center back and then going on to win Defender of the Year. It's having different players step up at different times that I think has really led Forge to put like such a, a vice grip on that trophy because of the quality that they have. And if one player isn't playing particularly well, they either get one player to come in that will or another player that's already there to step up and take charge. And I mean, for me, you know, when I was talking with my boss, because we would watch the games, none, no player has impressed us, I think, as much as Wuben Passius did last season. He was outstanding. He was incredible. He has that poacher's instinct. Yeah, He's I mean, really it's not even just the feet. goals; it's his movement and his positioning. Exactly the way that he he just understands space mm-hmm. and where to be. That's a great way to right describe time. it, actually. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think that's what a lot of high quality strikers do. And I mean, it might be crazy to liken them to like Erling Holland in in Man City right now, but both sort of do the same thing where they know. Where to make runs, which spaces to occupy, to anticipating where um, the service is coming from and where it's going. And I think that's what made Wubin's Passius so, so, so deadly this season or the past season is is that that just instinct to know that striker's instinct to know where the ball is going to drop and where he has to be to put the ball away. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that as if Passius has another season like this i wouldn't be surprised if he gets um called up by um either by a european team or maybe a canadian mls team will look at you know some some teams need those strikers looking at toronto and and montreal right now and stuff like that yeah they need all the help they can get (laughs) exactly and women's passiests and another striker that we'll talk about later when we're talking about york united um those are the the that's sort of what they're there for, to show that, that kind of quality when they're when they're young, and then and be able to go and develop and join uh, other bigger teams. So I think Forge, what what makes them so wonderful and what's so so dominant, is that they have these players that are so united, and even when new players come in, you can see them instantly integrate with the team, and find their role, find their position, not just tac- tactically their role, but like within the group, their role and be able to rely on each other to make sure that they can all produce the best 
football that they can as a unit, as a team, not even individually. And I think Bobby, the way that he's done that, I mean, he 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 obviously learned so much with Sigma, with yeah the way that he brought that up from the pretty much from the ground up, and you can see how important Sigma has been to even the Canadian national team, all of his players mm-hmm. that have been through there. So he knows how to develop talent. He knows how to develop players. And that's why, you know, when I think of CPL, one of the faces of the CPL for me is Bobby because he has just etched himself into the history books mm-hmm. of Canadian soccer. Um, and, yeah, I think that this season, it's going to be another tough season to try to pry um, – the the north shield away from 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 forge because it's just it's a train that's never gonna that doesn't seem like it's stopping anytime soon i know i mean they they very easily could have been four for four just the the way that things had worked out i mean i without hyperbole i think bobby smirney otis right now is the best canadian football manager out there hands down i don't think he's got a rival how he hasn't been snapped up by a, a bigger club baffles me. And I'm sure he's been interviewed. Tommy Bielden Jr. told us he's had interviews for, for other jobs and, and stuff, and or discussions at, at least. He, he, for me, encapsulates everything about this league. Because we're always talking about the players and development players. He's been a young Canadian coach that didn't get the opportunity. He's come in and he's shown what he can do. And he's still not getting the opportunity. I don't know what he needs to do. That said, he obviously loves his time at Forge. And he he wants to stay there and he wants to win trophies with them. If he can get them into the Champions League and make a run to the Champions League, maybe even land a Canadian Championship, I'm sure, is a big dream for, for everyone with Forge as well. I don't think there's much we can add to that, Zach. I think Felipe's summed up Forge pretty well there. So you brought on a Forge lover, and Steve will be happy you brought on someone who quotes things about Man United. Mm-hmm. And it's a Scottish man he's talking about, so it's okay. Yeah, it's true. No, I think I think I appreciate uh, all your perspective there, Felipe. I, I, yeah, Forge is well, one of the fun narratives about this first phase of the of the CPL has been the battle between these two coaches who have spent a significant amount of time in the development pyramid within Canadian football in Tommy and, um, and Bobby and uh, just to see them kind of their teams kind of rise and be at the top has been really like a testament to all that they've, they've given to the game. And I, I can't remember if I talked to you this, Michael, but I swear I, I must've had a dream or something. I thought he had gotten the Montreal job in the off season or something, or maybe it was just rumored or I don't uh, know what it was. Felipe and me were talking about this in one of our recent car journeys and stuff as well, that, Bobby doesn't speak, that? well, Bobby doesn't speak French or that, that we know of anyway. Um, and if that is a prerequisite for the Montreal job, it's going to rule him out. But, I mean, he is the kind of guy that they need in there. Like, if Lasada's yeah. coat is on a sugarly peg, which it has to be, and, again, without derailing things, Kamal Miller, the oh. one solid thing in their defence that's left. Just, oh, yeah, let's just get rid of him as well now. That means it's, more Rudy Camacho. It's just baffling what's going on there. We really have to get Eve on the show soon again and talk to her about all of this. But, like, Bobby's a guy that could go in there and do such a good job. If Vanny was to move on from here, I would take Bobby in a heartbeat. 
no questions asked, bring him in, wouldn't even worry that he's not coached at this level. What he could do at a club like Vancouver would be tremendous. I would have th- I, I thought he was in the running for Toronto before Bradley got it, but obviously maybe not a sexy signing for them, the big name that they needed. That hasn't worked out that well, has it? So maybe... You could you could see him coming in after Bradley. Yeah, I, I definitely could now. But then it's like, if they still want to go down the big player route, it's that thing, does the big player appreciate or respect a manager that's maybe not played the game at the higher level? And that's all for another discussion. So let's let's get on to one of these other pesky Ontario teams. York United. Uh, Martin Nash, friend of the show. Back in charge for another season. Wasn't a great 2022 campaign, it has to be said for York. Finished sixth in the table on 34 points. Nine wins, seven draws, 12 defeats, 31 goals for, 37 against. Leading the way was young Dero with 12 goals. Give the Whitecaps a little bit of a scare in the, the Canadian Championship. They've had another massive turnover as well of players and they haven't brought in as many as they've let go and you look at some of the players that have left and it's big guys it's like Dominic Zator big player for them Oliver Minitel another guy Isaiah Johnston Noah Verhoeven William Wallace not the guy from Braveheart but I mean surely that's a big loss Mamadou Kane Tobias Wachiski I mean, these guys have all moved on, but they have brought in some key guys. Elijah Adekugbe, we're big fans of him. Um, Jeremy gagnon Lapare, I always murder that name, I'm really sorry. Matthew Baldissimo made his loan move permanent. Um, Brian Wright, I mean, he he did well for Halifax, so that they've brought him in. How are you does, feeling? Does, Mar- does Marty call him the perfect player? Maybe. <laughs> Brian, right, right, right. What are you, what are you expecting from York, Zach? I, I actually, when you look at their, their you know, projected starting 11, it, it actually, it's just not that bad. It's, it, no, but again, my worries with depth with them, much like Cavalry. I think they've got yeah, a good start I think, at 11. I think but... the whole league depth is an issue, but I, I think Marty, Marty's got some really strong pieces. I'm really excited for him. I think I think they could I think they could I think they could do some some damage and um, make a big impression this year. But you're right; it will depend on can they keep everyone healthy? Can De Rosario continue to progress? Can yeah. they hold on to him for the whole year? Yeah, you know these kinds of things. I mean, Dero's season last year, Felipe was absolutely outstanding, but he did have a bit of a lull in it as well. It wasn't like consistent but all young players are going to go through peaks and troughs but do you like what moves they've made yeah i mean it's like with a big turnaround like that it's hard to be able to get a proper idea of how every piece is going to fit in the puzzle but i think some of the additions that they've made are are, are really good especially in the midfield you know Elijah Kugbe, like you said, Gagnon Lapare and making Baldissimo permanent. I think having that foundation in the midfield is going to be really important because they do have quality up front. I mean, mm-hmm. Mo Babuli and, and Ozaza de Rosario, those are probably two of the most um, exciting 
and deadly strikers in the league right now. So having that as your attacking um, duo is uh, it's, it's always going to help you in the in the long run. But it's it's seeing how you know now they have a I think an established midfield. How are they going to replace uh, like a player like Dominic Zator? Yeah, because he was su- yeah. super important for them at the back line and one of the best center backs you know in the league last yeah, season. I was amazed they landed him in the first place and that he decided to leave Cavill a bit. Money and stuff obviously plays a part, but yeah, that's a huge loss for them. Yeah, I, I don't know who that man is that's going to be the guy that steps up for them. Exactly, I I don't know really either. And you see Zator now; he's he's killing it over in the Polish league right yeah. now. He's doing really really well, and he got a call up the men's national team. So he those are huge shoes to fill. So I think for York it'll be about not necessarily they'll they'll score goals. I think the Rosario he's a quality player. It's a, what I like is he's a very different kind of player than um, than Wubens Passius in the way that they play. So they kind of get a different profile of the young upcoming striker, but um, they're going to be great scoring goals. It's can they, you know, shut up shop at the back and not leak too many? Because I feel like that's going to be probably one of their downfalls. I mean, they they uh, conceded thirty seven goals last season. They had a goal difference of negative six mm. with Zator in the team. So how is it going to be without him? Uh, that's going to be probably the biggest question mark for me uh, going into the season. Yeah, it's... I, I, I'm like you, Mike. I'm excited for Elijah. Like um, he, I don't know if you remember, Mike. I texted you. He told me about the move. Uh, I think it was after the Morocco game at the World Cup. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to to see him in a new in a new place. I think he's excited to be you know uh, in Toronto. Uh, I assume he's going to be in charge of the the music in the locker room, if not performing it himself for the team. Yeah. Um, and I think he's going to love being in Toronto and uh, yeah, being able to be a part of the, the culture in the city there and stuff. So yeah. I, I hope that invigorates him on the pitch, inspires him on the pitch um, to yeah to even go to even bigger heights. But I think he he is a type of player, though, who I think also can help with the departure of Zatori. Obviously, he doesn't play the same position, but I think his presence as a, you know, a six, as a holding midfielder or like a, a player in front of the back four, um, or the back line, he he can um, play a significant role to help lessen uh, the loss of some like Zator. Well, y- you look at the at the squad, and and you look at the projected lineup on the on the CPL side, and they've got the two centre backs as Roger Thompson, so thirty one year old now, but very experienced, and the young Australian Tas Murdekutas, and. You look at the rest of the roster and what their positions, and there's only one other potential centre back listed in there. So you do think surely they might have to add another centre back in there, and they might still be looking. But I don't know. What's your thoughts? Because obviously he was over in Germany, he's come back now, and he was mentioned in a lot of places before as a potential rising Canadian talent, and I might pronounce his surname terribly as well, but Theo Affework. I don't know if you know much about him from being over in Germany. Yeah, where was he in Germany? I can't, I can't uh, remember. Nuremberg. Yeah, but not with the first team, was he? Uh, under-19s. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that's a good a good place to develop. Um, Nuremberg is obviously Bayern's second biggest rival after 1860. <laughs> so I, don't really... I believe he had trials there. Yeah. Oh, Michael. Oh, Michael. <laughs> oh, Michael. Philippe, I don't know if you're catching the Michael humor in there, but um, uh, yeah, no, that's good. But it's, it's probably a better place for him to be is this CPL where you play at uh, uh, play against men. Um, yeah. and, uh, and hopefully we'll help, help him to develop. But, um, no, I didn't follow him much when, when he was over there. So that's York, two teams to go, Atletico Ottawa and Atletico Ottawa is a strange team for me. I don't know why. I just, I don't know what it is about them. And I said this at the start for Vancouver FC, they just haven't really captured my attention. I hardly watched any of their games last year, despite the fact that they were top of the table. They topped the regular season standings, 13 wins, 10 draws, 5 defeats. 5 defeats over a season's incredible. 49 points, they topped about 2 points. Joint third in goals and 36, second best in goals against. Ollie Bassett made the move there from Pacific, led the way with 8 goals, was outstanding for them, MVP in the league. Brian Wright and Balu Tabla with 7 apiece. Lost the final to Forge after being Pacific in the semis. 14 players have moved on, including Wright and Tabla, which is two big, big losses for them. Six players in and three loan deals. Can they do the same uh, again, Felipe? Or was that a kind of just season for the ages for them? Uh, it's It's tough to kind of really understand whether it's just kind of it was a, uh, an exception or if this is now the standard that they're going forward uh, because of I guess no one was really expecting them to do that well to finish first place um, and so I think now you know they had a lot of players leave but they have added some I think really good quality players um, the players that they brought in on loan like Luke Singh uh, mm. and Jean-Anil Assi from Montreal. I think those are two exciting players to have in the CPL. You have players who have played in the CPL, like uh, Noah Verhoeven and um, Gianni, Gianni DeSantis. From yeah. I mean, That's a huge, a huge signing addition. for them. Exactly. So, so, you know, I think, you know, obviously they lost Balu Tabla, who did pretty well for them last season, um, amongst others. But I think, yeah, I think they actually can. And I think the philosophy that they they're going with obviously brought in from Atletico Madrid, this kind of this this influence from the big Spanish club yeah. is going to help them continue to grow. So I I I do think and I mean especially when you were backed by such a mega team like a huge internationally renowned team, you're going to have improvement. You're going to have progress. Because that's that you, as Atletico Madrid progresses, they're going to trickle that down to Atletico Ottawa. So I I do think that the team is going to improve. I think this season I don't know if we'll see first place again just because of the way the other teams have strengthened. But I would be surprised if they're up there in first, second, and third. So mm-hmm. um, I I am excited, but to see what Ottawa bring now that they've kind of shown that um, that they can they can handle and they can hang with the big boys. Well, I mean, up front, they look exciting because you've got DeSantis, but you've also got Samuel Salter that hit 12 goals with Halifax last year. So that's a, a, a big addition as well. And defensively, 
Carol's we mate um, coming in as well, a guy with a lot of experience. What what are you expecting from them, Zach? I'm a little bit with you in terms of the capturing the imagination. I think it's it is the the downside to what you were talking about, Felipe, is that yeah, they are they are like a a part of the Atletico Madrid, you know, um, multi club kind of thing, which they have the approach, obviously, that you wear the club colors and you're all one in that sense. Which there, you know, there's different approaches to the multi club ownership thing. Um, uh, so yeah, I just have not really had an affinity for them because of that. Having said that, I, I'm really happy for the, you know, the the Bytown boys and the the local supporters in Ottawa that they have a, a club after the, the debacle that, that was the Fury. Yeah. Um, so happy and then happy for them to have such a great season. Um, great to see a guy like Ali Bassett, you know, as you said, Michael, uh, kick kick on from his time at Pacific to to, to develop and do even better. Um, I think, yeah, I think they can continue to to, to be one of the, the top clubs in the, in the in the league. I, obviously, I hope they won't, but I think they have it in them to to do that. And like you said, Felipe, they do because of that backing. They that helps them uh, to be able to progress and to, uh, I think, have other advantages that other clubs don't don't have. Um, um, I think for me, the biggest addition is DeSantos. I, I think, um, I think he can uh, be a, a game changer on a in every game. Uh, obviously, he wasn't quite that for Pacific. Like it wasn't every game where he impacted it, but he had enough flashes, enough big moments that, um, you know, Ottawa was happy to, to bring him in. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with him this year and how he either progresses or or maybe regresses. But um, he's also just a nice guy, who, you know, got to meet a little bit through Pacific and kind of wish him, wish him well. And you're right, Michael, they have these kind of um, Canadian guys who are big in the, the – um, Kind of the you know uh, fury or impact days and Carl we met and um, oh the other names escaping me now who plays at the back for them who's the other old time Canadian guy uh, Tiso right they have Tiso right oh don't they? yeah Maxime I mean Maxime Tiso yeah. and Carl Carl we met um, yeah so yeah it's gonna be interesting to what happens what see what happens in the capital that's another one of those you know like like Winnipeg or sorry like Valor and like Forge. Those they play in those ginormous stadiums, and you just hope that one day that we can get to a place where they're more full. And obviously, we know in Ottawa they don't sell the one side with the cameras facing, so it makes it look worse than it is. Oh, I know. But um, yeah, uh, for them, I hope it, I hope their season goes well, except for when they're playing in Vancouver FC. Last of all, it's the new Forge. It's Halifax Wanderers. And I'm saying that because Forge obviously built on the success of Sigma. Is Halifax Wanderers going to get a resurrection built on the success of Vaughn? Because they've got their head coach, Patrice Geezer. And most folk will know him from his Vaughn days. I know him from Seneca Sting, head coach. And I commentated on his team in the CCAA Nationals this year, where he got sent off after the final whistle for abusing the referee 
after one of the worst refereeing performances I have seen in a long time. Still haven't talk, talked to Patrice about that. I, I'm looking forward to that at some point. I think I think we're talking about them as the new Forge because they're owned by by the same people who own Forge. Oh no! <laughs> I was just meaning it because it's like is it going to be a like built on the success of a, another team? Now they were seventh last year from eight teams, just eight wins to the name, fifteen defeats. They were let down by having the lowest goals for 24. Samuel Salter scored half of them, and he's moved on. Um, what Patrice has done in building this team, though, it's going to be interesting, and it might take more than one season for this to fully kind of to start to come through. But I, I think the potential's there. He's an exciting young manager. You don't want to kind of automatically say, oh, could he be the new Bobby moving on from kind of a, a lower league into this? But he, he got rid of a lot of guys and he wanted his own guys in, guys that he knew from his Vaughn days. So that, I mean, there were some key performers that moved on, Christian Oxner and goal, Peter Schaller, who I've always loved Peter Schaller, Gabe Escobar, who's now back with TSS Rovers, so at least there's a plus there. Marcello Polisi moved on, Akeem Garcia, Corey Bent, who uh, was a big fan of as well. So those guys have moved on. The guys that's come in, I, I can't say that I know much uh, about them. There's Daniel Namik, who the Whitecaps had drafted and then didn't sign with the Whitecaps to um, has gone here. And then Teal Colom, who was with the Whitecaps too last year, and I was very impressed by him. I really liked him. We interviewed him on the podcast. So I'm curious to see what he does there. He's a guy that's always scored, scored goals everywhere. And I, I think he could be exciting in, in the CPL. This could really kind of kickstart his pro career. But right now, no one really knows too too much about what this team's going to be like. Let's start with, with, with Felipe. Yeah, I mean, I think it, Halifax are probably one of the teams that I know the least about uh, just because they have always sort of been under the radar and radar they're not really the teams that you get super excited about um i think they're everyone's both, second it, favorite team <laughs> isn't that I what they're the, marketed as I, I maybe i think the most interesting part about it to fans is is the fact of the away day the 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 whole together away days thing because they have the longest away day yeah I think in football maybe second to a Russian team um but you know I I was looking just before this at the some of their signings and stuff like that and it seems like maybe they're going through a, a route where they're trying to bring in more Canadian talent from like League One Ontario and yeah. and from you know you know teams like uh the, the second team of vancouver with teo colomb and they brought in a guy from montreal and and stuff like that i think then they're trying to have that sort of basis of, of canada while bringing in a few good internationals i really am excited to see what lorenzo caligari brings the frenchman that they've gotten from chambly i think he's probably going to be maybe a hidden gem in the league as a midfielder um well their, their big marketing for that is he played a match for PSG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I remember, I remember like, because I play a lot of like football manager in FIFA. I remember seeing it's like, oh, he's a young prospect there. And then forgetting about him, like when that was like <laughs> five years ago. And who would have thought uh, so, all these years later, you're seeing him here. 
Exactly. And so uh, I think that maybe they can try to sneak into the top five. But I think, especially with this season, bringing in a manager uh, that has had a dynasty at, at uh, Von Azuri and and now, you know, Patrice has come to, to Halifax. They're going to probably give him some time. They're going to give him some time to adjust. Yeah, definitely. Instill his philosophy, instill the way he wants to play. This is not a win now move. I think they're thinking more on the long term. And I think that this season, there might not, they might just be like, go and play as best as you can, achieve the best result if you can. If you make the playoffs, great. If you don't, that's okay. It's just about we're trying to see some progress and we're trying to see what you can bring to this Halifax team that really yeah. hasn't done all that much in the CPL yet. I think they want some excitement, Zach, for that great fan base. It's still one of the places and stadiums I have to get to at some point. And I, I've spoken in the podcast before I was meant to, but then we had to cancel our, our trip because my wife wasn't well. So hopefully I will get there one day. But the fans need it. They need at least some excitement, some hope. And like two players I'm really excited to see how they do this year. Kristen Campagna, who'd been with the Whitecaps, very high on him. Really think he should have got a Whitecaps MLS deal, but he's going to the CPL. He's going to be playing regularly there, so it makes sense, and the Whitecaps can always bring him back. But they've also got this potential wild card. He was the League One Ontario MVP, Massimo Ferran. I don't know much about him, but there's a lot of buzz about him, and it's just you don't know how these guys do at the next level. But hopefully they can give the fans something to at least even if they don't make the playoffs, feel confident about for going into 24. Yeah, uh, I have a buddy who uh, moved out there and has been a part of the, the supporter culture and just yeah, just loving it. Uh, yeah, there and obviously there's you know people know from over there like you know James and James Covey and and, uh, and a few others, yeah. but um, yeah, they 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 have the uh, I think most envied uh, kind of setup uh, to this point in the in the league for the. the kind of close intimate stadium and a uh, passionate group of supporters who uh, are there um, win or lose. And uh, like you said, it's, they have a long away days, but uh, yeah, they are like a very much a favorite away day. I'm trying to get there to the August 12th match for Vancouver FC. I don't know. Oh. If that's gonna, I think it's August 12th, August something or other. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come off uh, the way I hope, but well, uh, there's the bus that's going. Like, oh my, but no. Yeah. I also, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it is totally uh, turning a new a new page uh, for them, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what this chapter brings for them. Will it will it pay off uh, the way that they hope? They have some great people who run the club. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know the money comes from Hamilton, but uh, they have I think quality uh, operators on the ground there, and it'll be interesting to see what this new era brings for them. Most definitely. And you've got the exciting potential. The feelers have been put out for Atlantic League One which will then hopefully get a conveyor yeah. belt of young talent coming through for, for the team in the future as well. So we hope to get Dino Rossi in the show soon just to chat about all of that and the whole League One system. But it was a lot. We've got through it. We've covered all the teams. It's not it, though, for the show. We're going to be back with our big feature interview for the show next as we sit down for a chat with Valor FC head coach Phil DeSantis. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ollie Bassett and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
Welcome back to the final part of what has been another bumper episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. And kicking off this final part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April, the legendary American Brothers Sparks. That is a song taken from their 2017 album, Hippopotamus, their 24th studio album. That was Edith Piaf said it better than me. So yes, this is our final part of our CPL kickoff special. The Canadian Premier League goes into year five. We've looked over all the teams in a future episode. We're going to delve into having a look around the kits as well. You can read Felipe's article on AFTN.ca about that. But we want to kind of see them in the flesh on the pitches and kind of see how they look in person before we kind of do a deep dive into our thoughts and those. But we've got one last thing to bring you in this part, and that is our feature interview for this episode. And it's with a man we know very well here at AFTN, Valor FC head coach Philip DeSantis. The former Whitecaps assistant coach took over in Valor towards the tail end of the 2021 season replacing Rob Gale. He's had a season and a bit in charge of the team. Two fifth-placed finishes for Valor in that time as well. About to go into his second full season in Winnipeg and looking to take that next step for the club and get them their first ever playoff place. But he's not targeting another fifth-place finish to do that. He wants to finish higher and as high as possible. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with Philip DeSantis talking all things CPL and of course looking forward to that big Canadian Championship game against TSS Rovers next Wednesday at Swanguard Stadium. Here's PDS. So thank you it's always Phil for for joining us on the show. You're you're looking good. How how are you looking forward to the the new season that's about to get underway at the at the weekend? Very much. It's too long of an off season. I think that it's now what five months. Uh, it's a long off season. So we've been working now for about seven weeks. This is going to be our eighth week. So we're very we're anxious now to start. We want to start. We want to get going. I think this is 
why we train for. So we're excited that the season is is finally around the corner. It's going to be your second full season in charge of the, the team. How are you feeling about this this team and this squad going into to this year? Michael, on paper, we're always very optimistic. I think that there's not one coach that's looking at its roster and how it was built where we're not confident that uh, or, or is not confident that that will be out up there and fighting with the, the best teams in the league. I I have to to look at it the same way. I think that, you know, we've fallen short for, for two seasons now and uh, it's 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 four full seasons for the club. Uh, and it's important for us to to try and put ourselves in a position where we start accumulating points right from the beginning. But I think that the way to go about it is it, it's going one game at a time. It's uh, it's trying to to win your next game. I look at our roster, and I'm I'm happy with what what we've built so far. I think that we've addressed um, many deficiencies that we had as a team as a roster. I think that our depth is is better. Uh, of course, we can't neglect the, the the personnel that has left the club, players that we we tried to to keep. But at at the same time, it's a competitive market out there. And you look at that teams in the USL already looking at the CPL. And you no, know, I talk about a um, a Brett a Brett Levi's, a player like Moses Dyer, uh, others that are out of our control. The loans that we have we had, but that's uh, that's an affair of the past. Now we. We looked at what those players brought, but how can we we can how can we get better as a team? Because uh, even though those players gave a lot to the club, we still fell short. So we needed to upgrade not only um, for the positions that left, but but make sure that across the board we were we were better. We were better as a club. We were better as a team. Um, I, if you ask me, do you believe you did that? Looking at the first seven weeks, I think we did. I'm confident we did. But, you know, the, the reality is that we'll only know once the, um, the real competition starts and we'll, we'll have good indicators in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a, and it's a very long, grueling season as well with a, a lot of travel. Which for I guess for you guys being so central, it's not as bad as as for some of the other teams, but I mean it obviously does start to take its toll. And touching a, a few things there that that we'll talk about, just a very quick look back at last year because I don't like to dwell too much in the past, as you know, and I know you're kind of the same. So after twenty twenty one, just agonisingly missing out, the, the top four last year seemed to pull themselves away a little bit. But you still had a, a really good season. You had a couple of standout performances. Your leading scorer, Moses Dyer, with nine goals. Sean Rea, on, on coming in from Montreal, had a, a great season as well, led the league in assists, under-21 player of the year. That is two big pieces that, that have, have moved on. Yeah. How, how do you replace such quality and like team leaders? We have to replace it with with uh, with the collective. Um, we're talking. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking about the offensive pieces that left and the, uh, uh, the the their offensive contribution. But at the end of the day, we were you know we're looking at at everything right now, and we were we're, we're preparing for for the upcoming week, and we were still a team that 
was at the bottom when it, it came to ex- uh, not expected goals, but actually goals, goals scored per game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, there was offensive contribution from a, a couple players, but we needed so much more. So we, we don't see it as a having to replace one player with another Example: Dyer gave us nine goals. We need to go and get someone who gives us gives us at least nine. I don't see it like that. I see it as a collective. Can we go and get a player that's going to give us um, consistency and and that will give us his share of goals, but also make everyone around him better, uh, allow others to contribute? Um, I think that the game is the sum of the parts. So we're looking at it like that, and that's how we address the off season and. I want, really want to focus on the collective. Um, yes, I like the individuals that we have. There's a lot of quality. I have no doubt that there's names that people don't speak about because they don't know about. Mm-hmm. But I could tell you already uh, after se- seven weeks that there's there's good quality in the roster. There There's players that um, will contribute offensively. Um, and again, it's the sum of the parts. So I'm today I'm not concerned. I, I don't look at the past. I look at what we have now and maximizing the potential that we have today on the squad. Aside from the guys that you lost in terms of contributions and, and goals and assists, you also lost a leader in Daryl Fordyce who, who's retired. How do you fill those shoes? Because he has been such a, a good servant to the team and to the, in, in the league. I, I didn't lose Daryl because he's, he's in the locker room. Oh, true, yeah. With the staff, he won't be on the field, but he's going to be on the sideline. His voice will still be there. And, you know, looking at him going as, as a coach, I think he's going to have a brilliant career. I, I think that uh, that he's somehow even surprised me on his uh, immediate contribution to what the, the team could be about. Um, but I think that we replaced, we replace, we don't replace an individual because it's hard to to replace the, 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 the person that uh, Daryl is on the field. But I think that collectively we were able to bring in more guys that had league experience, that have had won in the league, that have a strong character and strong voices. I, I, I give you an example of a player like like Abdul Samake, who, who if you spend time with him, you don't need to uh, wear a captain armband or to be to be pointed out as being a leader to to know that that he's, he's a natural one. He's a guy that has an influence in the locker room, you know, guys like Marcello, um, Jordan. I, I look at the overall, I look at a, a player like, even a, a player like Pianelli, who, who was a, a youth sport player, but as is now 20, 24 years old, if I'm not mistaken, and has lived and experienced football with, with Bastia uh, in France. So he brings his share of, of personality and leadership. So, uh, you know, the return of a guy like Rafaoui, uh being on the field with the team. So there's a lot, Anthony Novak. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, of, of good personalities uh, that, that at, at, at a, you know, when, when it counts, they, um, they will be able to, to fill shoes that were uh, left by, by other players that left uh, for, for other adventures or other clubs. So, um, again, I look at it collectively, and that, that was our approach in the off-season. The, the nature of this league is that there's always big turnovers on 
pretty much most of the most of the teams from from season to season. That's just how it is. I think I've got it down that sixteen players moved out. You've had fourteen come in as well as your two kind of draft picks. Looking at some of the experience that you you brought in, you touched on a little bit there, like. Jordan Haynes, a, a guy I've known for many years from his time here in Vancouver, coming in from Pacific, Samaki as well. Marcello Polisi, another guy I know well, coming in from Halifax, and Anthony Novak. That's some very key guys that you've brought in that know this league and know the rigours of it and the travel and all the aspects of it. Yeah, that's important. That's That was part of our recruitment process. Uh, you touched about, we'll never, we, we're like that, we... Players will do well here and move on. Um, and we have to face it. And that's part of the challenge we are. But it's also, it, it allows us to grow as a team. I look at, you know, the control we have on, on the contracts for 2024 is so big. So many of these signings we've made will be, will be in a position for us to, to decide on, you know, some have two years guarantee, some, some have an option. Um, but we know that, you know, whoever's going to be, good for us uh we'll move on and we'll have that we have that reputation as a club and and that's fine too we need to just be ahead of the game we need to know that player a b or c um if they do very well with us it could be and and chances are that they will move on and now the challenge is who's the next one in line and that puts us in a, a situation where our scouting, our recruitment, our, uh, how attentive we are to certain players that in their current environment might not, not, might not be. Um, I'll give you an example of a player like Marcello Polizzi, who was playing always in Halifax as, a, as a, a, an outside midfielder or a, a number eight being in the outside of the three. And, um, Marcello, for us, we see him more as a, a, a number six, an holding yeah. midfielder. And, and, and Marcello, when we looked at him, we weren't looking at him and seeing, ah, but he didn't play every game. Sometimes it was Pierre. We looked at him saying, he has the profile of the number six we want for this club. And that's how I look at it. Some, sometimes a player is good. Um, example, Ali Bassett wasn't playing every game with Pacific. He was the MVP in Ottawa. So we need to be ahead of the game when we're talking about those type of players, players that uh, are looking for something else, uh, something that is more. And when I speak with the players, I always talk to them about where I see them play and what their role is going to be uh, inside our collective. So that's part of our challenge, but it's also, you know, it stretches you to be ahead of the ball, ahead of the game, um, I had my uh, VP of uh, finance and operation here and he was hearing uh, and listening this uh, us talk about, you know, contracts and how things could look and already projecting not even 2024, but but even looking and eyeing 2025. So um, this is I'm here to work for the club and for the longevity of the club. So I have to make sure that. Either it's me in this position or someone else. There's something left behind, something where, you know, there's homework that's been done. There's something that has been uh, put in place for the club to continue to, to thrive and succeed. So that's our job. And I think these departures, they, they're going to happen and keep happening. So we have to be ahead of the game there. I mean, it's interesting you hear him talking about Marcello because like when he was here with the Whitecaps Academy, he was a six 
when he played yeah. at SFU, he was a six. And then when he made the move to Halifax, I was a bit baffled by, by where they had had him playing. So I think that is a good addition. And chatting to Marcello when you were back here for the, the friendly with Vancouver, he's he's loving life so far with Valor. But talking about your recruitment, you look to have cast the net far and wide because the players that you've brought in from playing in eight different countries. So talk a little bit about, about your recruitment without giving too many secrets away. Like, have you just wanted to, to look as far as possible or target maybe some markets that maybe haven't been looked at by other CPL teams? Both, both. I think that um, I think that it's not easy to recruit the the best Canadian players, especially when it comes to there's some positions that are easier than others. Um, I'll give you an example of you know your front line. It's hard. It's hard for us to go out and see who's the best CPL player. You know Ottawa did it. They did it with Salter. They looked at a profile that was good for them, and they just they just uh, uh, made a, a financial effort that that it, it counts in the cap. So if I go out and I say I want player X from another team, it's going to count against my cap if I have to pay a fee for him. Mm-hmm. So so for us, offensive talent is is hard. It's, it's hard. The best attacking pieces, the ones that could make the difference, will be taken by, by other teams. And if you are able to get them, it's because you're in, in a moment where they're out of contract. It's probably because you... You're, we're having to to pay a large fee or a larger salary than we would for any other player, and and maybe end up uh, overpaying the player. And again, I I don't like to say overpaying because you're worth what your value is. And if someone is willing to give 100 or 150 for a CPL player in current cap conditions, uh, it's because the player is worth that. So when I say that, I'm talking always Valor's perspective. Um, so I think it's hard. So you need to go outside and, and try and find that uh, somewhere else. And, and we, we opted to do it um, in, in the international market. And that's where we got a, a player like Pacific, a, a player like Kian Williams, uh, even a Jaime Siage. That's, that's what we looked at. We, we look at potential Canadians that are maybe abroad. Um, I'll give you the, the example of uh, Yare Duloa, who, who had just won in the second division of Peru and, and, um, and I'd been here on loan from Alianza um, in 2021. Yared is a player that I coached for 10 games and I really liked him. So I tried to bring him back last year on loan. It wasn't possible. So we were able to get him now that his contract was up. So we're attentive to everything. And, you know, is there, is, there's a plan 100%. We look at, at, um, at the plan and we're there and we're on the board all off season. But sometimes there's a name that pops out that you just need to have enough courage and belief in the, in the signs that you've seen through video and, and, and scouting and phone calls and discussions. And you just have to follow what your, your, your gut tells you and, and be bold to take the risk on, on someone who might need to arrive and adapt and, and live a very different reality than than his, like it's the case of of Pacific, who was in Australia and now finds himself in Canada. So, um, yeah, we're we the strategy is the strategy. Every club has their own. We 
we approach things very differently this year than we did the year before because of the nature of how our contracts were. Um, and we, it was clear in our mind what, what we believe this team needed to, to succeed. So we stick to the plan and we, we were open to, to the wild cards and that's how we went about it. You mentioned Pacific there. I was going to talk about him a little bit because I, I, it was a name I remembered because I, I watched a lot of A-League because it's yeah. free, free on YouTube and I'm up late at night. So I've, I've watched those games for the last couple of years. So I remember him and the name from Perth Glory. I mean, getting a guy like that over from reading some of the message board comments from Valor fans that have seen that and they were at the inter-squad game and stuff, they're very excited by what he can bring to this team. Yeah, so are we. So are we. He's, uh, you know, he scored basically in every or, or contributed for, for a goal in every single um, preseason match we did. But I told them uh, that there's no no goal or assist bonuses in, in <laughs> preseason matches. So now he needs to go out and do it when it really counts. So um, we're we're very optimistic, but we we also we we want to we manage expectations. You know, I know that fan base and media a player has a good game and suddenly um, he's put up there on a pedestal. And I I, I want everyone to understand that. Pacific still going to need his time. He's a player that's going to be probably going with the national team of Burundi um, sometime in June. So, you know, there's a there's an accumulation of matches. There's fatigue with flights. There's so many things that we have to take in consideration. So very good player. Um, I love his attitude, his character, his ability to work on both sides of the balls uh, or or of the ball and, 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 and of the game. Uh, but also the fact that he attacks in many, many different ways. He attacks, uh, he's unpredictable. So um, I like that in him. Now let's go. Let's bring it into real life because now there's three points on the line and this is when it counts. Last few things. And I'm going to preface this for anyone from Winnipeg that's listening by, I'm not meaning this disrespectful to the people of Winnipeg, but, when you look at the destinations for players to come to in the CPL, have you found Valor a hard sell? Because maybe Winnipeg's not a place that's that well known outside of Canada. And it's maybe not a first choice place for, for players to come to. More more with the Canadian player than the player from abroad. Uh, that's more, I more, yeah, yeah, because the player from abroad doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a city in Canada is a city in Canada. We we send them the uh, the city highlight video, uh, and it looks great. Um, and it is great. Uh, and when you when you start understanding the place, and you you are here, and you start building a life like I did here with my family, with my kids, and uh, Coming to work is great. I, I I would challenge any any CPL club in, in in what we could offer the players on a day-to-day basis here when they are in the facility and you know knowing the hot spots in the city and understanding the city. There's one thing, there's the winter. The winter mm-hmm. is tough. Those two months when players arrive until the season kicks in. Now we were outside on our field today and we're starting to to train outside. Um, that changes everything. That changes your mood. That changes uh, your morning. Just being able to 
to come out and just leave your house with a hoodie or a t-shirt. For me, it's, it's, uh, it changes my life. So of course, when you survive the rough of the winter, which is not necessarily better in a place like Montreal, which has, I've lived many years, it's yeah. still uh, okay. Five, ten, after 20 degrees negative, once it reached minus 15 or minus 20, it's all the same thing. So um, that's the only one. That's the only tougher part. And of course, once the season starts, we're all caught up. We, it's for six, seven months where we are between travels and being at the club and training as long as, you know, families or, or, or players are happy. They could find a, a couple of spots to go to have a nice meal and then be with their teammates and find a good place in club environment uh, that is good. They'll be good. So um, my sell pitch is that you just have to survive the winter a month and a half or two. And after that, it's roses. So um, with the international player, it's easier than the domestic because the domestic knows, right? Vancouver, yeah. it's a sexy city. Toronto is a sexy city. Um, you know, it's just the reality of things. Yeah, that's something like from chatting with you and seeing your posts on social media. From the minute you went there, you embraced the city and you embraced it, the culture and the lifestyle and you seem to have loved it there. There's no other way, Michael. I... I believe that your heart and your soul needs to be where you're at in the moment, because if not, you, you miss out on, on the, good, the good parts that, that, you know, either the job or the place has to offer. Uh, that's the way I want to live my life, because if not, you wake up, you're frustrated, you're complaining, you, you don't bring your best to the table. And um, that's how I want my kids to also see me. I want them to see me. Yes, yeah, sometimes you wake up and you, man, another minus 20, but you go about it well and you just uh, try to enjoy it as much as you can. I remember I lived in pretty good cities, Michael. Mm-hmm. I've been blessed with, you know, from San Francisco, Fort Lauderdale, um, the, the, the Vancouver, Montreal. The one I still speak the most about when I look at the past with my wife and my kids is Indianapolis. And that's a city that people were telling me, but what are you going to go and do there? So uh, it's all about the memories, the people you're around, the way the club treats you. So that's, uh, that's, that's what my experience has brought me uh, to and where I want to be. I want to live the moment so I could enjoy the moment. Yeah. The, the team this year, if I've read this right, you don't have any loan deals at the moment anyway. Was that a deliberate plan by you, looking ahead for like a two-year plan so you know you're not going to lose guys? Or was it just that MLS teams maybe are, are looking at how they deal with things differently because now there's obviously MLS Next Pro? Uh, a bit of both. I think that there is that component with the MLS Next Pro. I think... Um... You know, you still have a few clubs that are there's one or another player that is a first team signing that has played against. Uh, for example, I'll give you the example of Singh in Ottawa. He's played in the CPL. CPL today is more more adult than the MLS next. Uh, it's more of a men's league. I yeah. think that for certain players, it's going to suit them more and suit their growth a bit more. Um but uh, but it was a bit. I I, I wanted. I always keep one or two roster spots for later, and these MLS loans they will arrive late in the game because mm. of the preseason. And so I want to see those as a Christmas present 
if they happen and it's a position of need. And I really think that the player is going to come in and have a, a fair chance. Then I'll I'll look into it. If it's just for depth, I I, I think that the player is better off in the environment he's in because um, it's not true that you come from an MLS club and you and and you're a young player and you're in your first or second year pro and suddenly you go to a CPL team and you you start every game. It's not true. So uh, we really have to make sure that those loans are good for the player, but also good for us. So this year it didn't happen. We were we were open to it. We tried one. We tried one, but the player uh, wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and it was it was from one of the clubs that has an MLS next pro team, but he was falling in that category where now he's been there, he's done it, and what's the next level? This the next level. Sometimes it's playful. Like Jose Roy, play a full one, two CPL seasons, dominate, and then you show that you're ready for MLS. Uh, yeah. It didn't happen, and uh, so we moved on. That's uh, that's where we're at now. I, I asked you this when we chatted last year, when you'd had a few months under your belt, so roughly a year and a half now as a head coach. What have you learned about yourself as a coach, and do you feel that your coaching styles changed over? that's that time to where you are now yeah more patient more patient um less less for me less for me more for for the team um i think that too often as coaches we have ideas that are ours and we we neglect the the reality is that we're coaching for the players um we're coaching for the players to understand so you need to understand football and it's different forms um, you need to understand the football that you want to implement, but it needs to be one that will maximize the qualities of, of the individuals inside the collective. Um, I think that, you know, you, you, you learn that, you learn that uh, details are very important, but you won't control everything and you need to let go of, of, of certain elements so that you could be um, you could be very strong and, and the ones that you're prioritizing and channel your energy in the right way. And I, um, I reinforce my position that you need to be 100% honest and coherent, um, not only with yourself, but with, with, with your approach and the way you manage the individuals and the players um, that for me, it's no doubt, no doubt a key to success. Um, and, and, and when I say reinforce, it's because it's something that I came to, to understand very early in my career. Um, when the player sees that you're, you know, sometimes you're, you're on the left, sometimes you're on the right and it's not coherent um, you start losing credibility and you, lo- you start losing uh, strength as a manager. I think that they all know you have your ideas. There's non-negotiables. There's things that you open up for debate and discussions. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's not a one-man show. We need the team to abide by your principles and believe in them. So it's up to us to to try and 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 bring that to the to them in a way that they're going to be convinced it's for the best of the team and that's the way I try to handle myself every day and 
you know, you don't have to be the, the, the police officer. You need to just understand these, these guys are young men and treat them as such. And that's what I try to do. So looking ahead then to, to the season to come, what are you expecting from, from the, the league this year and the, some of the other teams and the fact now that there is this extra playoff spot, which if it had existed, obviously, for the last two years, you'd have been a playoff team. But I mean, how, how are you expecting the league this year? Are you expecting a lot more parity? I think there will be. I think that the league's going to be extremely competitive. I, I know there's that fifth spot. That's a spot I don't want to be in. I don't, um, for a simple reason. One, I wanna—I don't want to be labeled as a that team that's always flirting with that fifth spot, number okay. one. But more than that, because it's not about, you know, it's not about that. I think that our fans deserve a home playoff game over here. And I think that if you, I know that if you finish, you go in and you get in as that wild card team, you won't host a playoff game. So uh, for our fans, I want us to be um, be always thriving for more, looking ahead, wanting more than just to, 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 to barely, barely make it. I want us to, to be more ambitious than that. So um, yes, there's going to be parity. Yes, there's going to be competitiveness every game. There's It's going to be extremely tight, but I still believe and I, I want us to have the ambition that every game is a game to win. Um, and if we do that, if we approach things like that, and if we're able to, uh, to get um, to our magic number, the one that as a team we've set as objectives, we will be ahead of that fifth spot and we'll be able to offer our fans a, uh, a playoff match for the first time. That's fantastic. Last thing to ask you, Canadian Championship game is coming up on the 19th. It'll be your second game of the season, TSS Rovers' first game of the year, first competitive game. Now, you've been involved in this, obviously here with the Whitecaps, you've been involved in it last year with Valor. You've been on both sides of it, where you're going in as the favourites, where you've yeah. gone in as the underdogs. What are you expecting from this game you know you're going to be playing a team that's really up for it and, and hungry and with players that's going to be out there just to try and impress and, and get into the CPL I expect a fight we we uh, we haven't spoken about that game because I think the next one is York so I don't want us to start having our heads in in the next two three four games as coaches yes we plan things and we know that um, there's a, a pattern, it's a big week and we need to manage loads and there's things that we're going to need to do to make sure that we we fill in the best team for the different games. Um, but but we, you know, we, we expect a fight. We know it's going to be very difficult. We know that we'll play a team that has nothing to lose. I hate being in that situation uh, because I've been in it a couple of times and it's it's one of those that, you don't like as a manager, um, and and then there's the, the 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 whole factor that you don't get much about these teams. You don't get to see what what type of identity they have, what um, what type of dynamics they play with. And yes, there's games of last year, but it's it you know you're so far from the reality when you're looking at at um, 
at, at previous year footage. And so, yeah, we expect a, a fight. One thing I could tell you already is that we are we are preparing it um, like a, a, a like a league game, like a, a final, a playoff game. Um, any player, any player uh, that that I feel throughout the process that shows a little sign of being overconfident and maybe maybe slacking a little bit uh, leading to that game, I guarantee you won't be on the field. So for us, it's it's that important. I look at the path to to what this. Uh, Canadian Championship looks like, and again, like the same way I said, I would love to to um, to bring a, a playoff game to IG Field. I I would also love to bring a you know a Canadian Championship game to IG Field. So yeah. uh, for that, we need to start by winning the first one, and and we're very aware of the challenges we're gonna have against the SS Rovers. Yeah, it's it's an interesting half of the draw that, that you guys are in and I, I wish you well for it I've been involved with TSA since they started in 2017 so obviously I'm rooting for them to, to get the job done if you get through I'll be delighted for you though as well so thank you so much for your time you've always been very generous with us with your time Phil My pleasure. Um, I look forward to seeing you next week when you come here and good luck in that opener against York on Saturday Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Bye. So some great stuff there from Phil DeSantis. Wish him all the very best and uh, some exciting times in Valor. Hopefully they can get themselves into the playoffs and I think everyone associated with the club would love that. So that is pretty much it for our bumper episode. But of course, no matter whether we've been recording for 10 hours or not, I'm still going to bring you this episode's wavelength. And that's what I'm doing. We're going back to 2021, a band we featured a lot, Armchair Loyal, out of Birmingham in England. And we've been working our way through their football-themed album. And this is a song called Fun Facts About Footballers. We all have a bit of that. As a child, Pauline's had a Wendy house. Clayton Blackmore owned one of the first ever sit-down showers. Glenn Hoddle was original choice to voice the Wombles. Colton Palmer could milk a gold blindfolded. When at Nottingham Forest for good luck, Teddy Sheringham always warmed up with a dead mouse in his training top. Frank McAvenny claims to have invented the CU Jimmy wig. Tony Woodcock was original choice to play Doyle in The Professionals. Sweepers, wingers, fullbacks. Come to us. We have fun facts. Goalies, strikers, central defenders. We have fun facts. With all their splendours. Sweepers, wingers, fullbacks, come to us. We have fun facts. Goalies, strikers, central defenders. We have fun facts with all their splendours. Garth Crooks invented toilet duck. 
Dennis Y still believes in unicorns. Trevor Brookin played keyboards in level 42. Gary Mabber claims to have discovered the seagull. Warren Barton has a little tattoo. Efna Cuckoo makes tea with tomato soup. Sweepers, wingers, fullbacks. Come to us. We have fun facts. Goalies, strikers, central defenders. We have fun facts. With all their splendors. Sweepers, wingers, fullbacks. Come to us. We have fun facts. Goalies, strikers, central defenders. We have fun facts. With all their splendors. Laurie Sanchez was the first man in Britain to ever receive spam email. Barry Horn was founding member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Tony DiRigo is Banksy. Brian Talbot was nowhere to be seen in the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan. And Ricky Otto has initialed every piece of Lego he has ever owned. Eddie Nidvisky never goes for a swim after eating. Mal Donaghy was the first to use the phrase, you don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. Georgie Kinklazzi knits his socks with double-pointed needles. Trevor Morley wrote several episodes of ITV's ill-fated soap, Albion Market. At Grimsby, it's Haddock taking over the terracing. once missed six games for Liverpool after mistaking a spaceship for his Austin Allegro and ending up on an intergalactic adventure. Sweepers, wingers, fullbacks. Come to us. We have fun facts. Goalies, strikers, central defenders. We have fun facts. With all their splendours. Sweepers, Wingers, fullbacks, come to us. We have fun facts. I'm Chair Loyal. Fun facts about footballers, not sure how many of them were true. Well, actually I do. None of them were true. I don't think that particular player invented seagulls or discovered seagulls. But that's the kind of fun facts that we bring you on this show. A good, fun way to end this episode. It's been a bumper one. We're all looking forward to the CPL season. We'll wrap things up now. Felipe, your first show with us. It only lasted 12 hours. How did you enjoy it? Do you have any final thoughts? And where can f- people find you and find your work online? No, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I always love going and ranting about soccer. So it's nice that I could have a little bit of an outlet for that. And, you know, I could do it for two, three, four hours. Um, and, and as always, uh, you know, I mean, I've been listening to the show ever since I started getting into uh, soccer here. So it's amazing to be 
on and you know it's a little bit i i remember at the beginning uh meeting you michael and stuff like that i was trying not to uh uh be too bashful because i i really look up to this to the show and what you've done actually oh thank I, you that's lovely I, I i was i was freaking out a little bit earlier because i mentioned that i was playing football manager yeah and there's a big canadian mega patch update that somebody did and one really cool thing is that not only did they bring in um the CPL teams and League One Ontario, League One BC, even League One Alberta into the football manager so you could play with those teams. But they brought in all the media as well. So I, a really? lot of people in there, yeah, a lot of people in there are people that I've met, like Alex Gongay-Ruzik is in there, Emmanuel Veff from Transfer Market. And I found out today, you two are on there actually as well. It's actually not uh, a media pass anywhere. He's banned. Yeah, yeah, but he's there. It was crazy when when Zach was asking me questions because I was the Vancouver FC coach and he was asking me questions and said <laughs> AFTN. I'm like, wow, you guys made it. Um, oh, but of so course, if you've become the coach, then you're not a writer. So we've had to get Zach in instead. So that's that's that yeah, makes exactly. total sense. There that's um, amazing. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 another moment where I kind of was super just blown away uh but yeah no it's it, I, I love I, I always enjoy talking soccer so thank you for the opportunity and i hope well, i come back yeah we've loved having you on we'll definitely have you on more more often and and zach Felipe said he could go three or four hours i've said that to caitlin before and it's never it's never quite worked out that way but i mean you must be excited for this I, I, up. I am, but hang on, hang on. Felipe, did you say Michael and I are a football manager? Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have a football. I have a photo if you want. Where Wait, I can is show it our, you. Our, our names? Our pictures? Your our names are on. No, not be pictures. pictures. But, oh, okay. but your Actually, name. I, this Look, is why we do a right podcast. Now. Yeah, hold on. Let me see if I can focus. But up here, that says Z Meisenhower. Heimer. Oh, I, so it does. Michael, Michael, you From know AFTN you, and the. And the AFT, uh, AFTN logo is there. Michael, uh, that's what I'm saying. Michael you know you know what you need to do. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, Michael. I, I will send it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm always trying to Felipe what we're talking about. Just, just as a joke, Michael, you need to do it. Um, no, Felipe, it's been great to have you. It's great to meet you a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if it was the TSS or Valor game. I think it was TSS. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's great to... Agreed to have you, Michael. Spoken very highly of you and your writing. Um, he only brings in people who he thinks are good, so that so so know that he thinks you're good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why Steve's not on anymore. I joke, I joke, I joke. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is a joke. But um, no, Michael, you're right. I'm I'm very excited. So people are hopefully listening to this on Thursday or Friday, or maybe even Saturday morning. If you find yourself in Langford, uh, headed to Starlight Stadium or in Starlight Stadium, and you want to passionately support. Uh, Vancouver FC, I, I invite you and encourage you to come to Section 113. Uh, we will make space for you. Uh, and we're looking forward to having just a, a great inaugural match and having a lot of fun together uh, as this this part of the journey begins. It's, it's been it's been a it's been a long six years, or whatever. Yeah. So it's nice to have uh, a, a new chapter start and it to be the stuff that I'm most passionate about. So yeah, really looking forward to that. And um, excited for the beginning of, of year five of the CPL and obviously the year that I will will and I think I'll almost be invested in um, compared to the other four. And um, yeah, uh, fvfanatics at gmail.com if you want to be a part of what's going on over there. You, you can find us on sh- socials as well. And uh, yeah, this has, been a, this has been a good time. 
Yeah, and I, I know it's been a long journey for you to get to the stage and have your, the team and the support. And what I would say, if you do turn up, what should Zach will hand you a flag? I got handed one at the Valor game and then I couldn't see the match because I was waving it in front of my face and I was disappointed with myself. But it's for me, there's nothing more exciting than the start of a new season. It's like I always get excited by it because everyone or mostly everyone's full of hope and expectations and it's just, you've got a whole season to look forward to. Having a team in the lower mainland is great. For me, there can't be enough football to get out to. I think the times or amount of hours in the day is now proving a problem or maybe proving alternative to that fact, but it's great to have all this. Please get out. Wherever you're listening to this podcast in Canada, get out and support your local team if you can this weekend, if they're at home. If they're not, go and support them next weekend if they're at home. We need this league to succeed. We need this league to produce the next crop of young talent. The pathway from the League One into this league, this pathway from this league into wherever. It's a great league. It's going to be a great season. Thank you so much to Felipe for joining us. I've really enjoyed the stuff you've brought to AFTN so far. It's been a pleasure getting to know you this year. Zach, I hope you have a wonderful time at the weekend. If I don't make it over, we'll hear all about it in the next show. To everyone that's listened to this, thank you so much as well. And to everyone that that spoke to us for this show and the future shows, thank you as well. We've maybe had to cut some stuff out because we have gone a little bit long. But we will be back with another show soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Enjoy the new season. And mon the CPL. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.